I'll show you real slow Just like that, yeah, just like that Just like that, yeah, just like that Just like that, yeah, just like that. Just like that, we're moving too far. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, cheers, everyone. We have a great guest for It's unusual. Obviously, on Saturdays, they have a guest, but Smash, take it away. Uh, tell everyone who's our one. What's up? My name's Smash. That's Huey. This is Gene. Get a couple So, yeah, the rules are follow your local laws, whatever the fuck it is for cannabis. Uh, here's 21. Uh, we're figments of your imagination. Most of the shit we're telling you is just a story and just that, just a story. So the show is for entertain, entertainment and educational purposes. That's exactly right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is obviously, we're cartoon characters. Uh, Smash plays the role of Bugs Bunny. I'm uh, Wiley Coyote. Uh, who else? D is uh, the Roadrunner. It's uh, all made up. Don't copy us. Don't uh, follow us. Uh, unless you want to. I mean, you can. But uh, make sure that you're legally allowed to do so where you are to, to be a cartoon character. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, obviously, we how do I say that's one of the weirder uh, introductions we've had for the show. But we have a great guest today. Uh, it's uh, Saturday. I realize you guys uh, probably are surprised. You're like, Wait, Tuesday is the is the guest show, but we have a, a wonderful Saturday guest. It's going to be freaking uh, lots of fun with the uh, organic cultivators. That's literally the name, actually, organic cultivators. Uh, folks, uh, bring your good questions into the uh, uh, chat. Uh, by the way, say I should say hello to the chat here. Uh, cheers, new grows. Cheers, everybody. Uh, but uh, don't be ashamed, my friends, to throw down in the chat. By the way, since we do have a guest, uh, guest rules do apply. So if you guys are you know, not new to the show, if you are new to the show. Basically, guest rules are if you haven't been on the show before, if you're not kind of a regular panelist, just wait until the guest has basically uh, left the show before you guys hop on here. You know, we might make some uh, exceptions here and there if you ask really politely in the chat. But uh, if you kind of try to hit the Zoom link, I'm going to post the Zoom link here in a second. If you hit the Zoom link and we don't let you in, don't be mad, don't be upset or whatever else. It's just guest rules right now. We don't want to have too much kind of a circus or anything else. So, uh Guest rules apply. Long story short, so here I'm going to post the link here in a second. But ladies and gentlemen, before we go on, let me do a really brief uh, infomercial for my uh, website. Take a look, ladies and gentlemen, here at fumadoro.com. We don't have to do the whole freaking infomercial because I think probably a lot of our uh, audience is going to be repeat listeners for such a great guest. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, ballers on a budget. Take a look at the smash and gram. Really great way to uh, introduce yourself to my genetics. Uh, three five packs for a special price. Pick pretty much whatever you want: lime river rose, morgana, charybdis, you name it. If you'd like the baller pack, that's three ten packs, ladies and gentlemen, for, of course, a special price. Of course, you'd like to, you know, spend a little bit less than you have to. You know what I mean? Nobody likes to pay full price. But, in the, of course, if you'd like a five pack or ten pack, and basically that's all you need right now, you're just going to do a tiny little pheno hunt. Take a look, ladies and gentlemen, Morgana. Uh, like I say, there's, as you can see here, if you scroll down for a second, there's five packs and ten packs available. Every order, ladies and gentlemen, still gets a freebie of Silago the Bat. I've said before that the only way to get Silago the Bat is actually as a freebie. Uh, that's not for too much longer, but if you'd like some really nice sour strawberry flavors in your life, a nice aggressive plant, Take a look at Fumadoro.com and use the coupon code BRAINS. Uh, you're going to get a, a freebie with it and you're going to get a little bit of money off. Use the coupon code. And uh, in the meantime, support, uh, I mean, I'm probably not a local business to you, but, you know, support small businesses, support sort of uh, artisanal seed producers. And uh, I guess that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to our guest. We'll just do a brief introduction here first and just, you know, say hello to our friends, uh, James and Wendy, and then we'll get into the, the meat of the interview. But uh, I'm really glad to have you guys, James and Wendy both. Welcome to the show. Cheers. Hi. Do we? Get, can I be Grandpa Rick? You can be Grandpa Rick. Absolutely. I'll be Grandpa Rick. You can be Grandpa Rick. I'm just disappointed that we get to be cartoon characters, but there's no circus. I think. I think. Do, I'm, I'm disappointed. Wrong. Neither one of you wanted to be Foghorn Leghorn. I mean, 
Oh, God, I'll that's say, so I'll me. Say, I'll no, say. that's totally me. All right, all right, all right. So Foghorn Leghorn and Grandpa Rick, glad to, to, to meet you guys. Thank you for coming along. D, uh, nice to see you, my friend. Uh, uh, I forget, actually, which cartoon character you are. You are, uh, I actually don't remember right now. Well, Road you're the brains. You're the zombie. The Roadrunner. There we go. Meep, meep. Hey. D, you're, you're muted for some reason, although it doesn't say you're muted. We can't hear you. Sure. There we go. I think I can hear you. What was Oh, because you can do avatars. All right, yo, what's going on, everybody? What's going on, chat? What's going on, panel? Hopefully you can hear me. Um, yeah. Working on some pink crush chatter. I have your good old Gorilla Glue. I have many, many things to smoke tonight, like always. Luckily tonight. Uh, welcome to the guest. That's wicked. It's good to see Wendy. I haven't seen her in a while. Last time I seen Wendy was on uh, Tara's show. Nice. Well, anyways, um, oh, you can find me on Instagram at D underscore zombie underscore. Let's get on with the show. Hello, man. Smash. Smash, what's good, buddy? What's up? Uh, just hanging out, man. Same shit, different day. Uh, follow me for Smash 20. Uh, nice to see me have a guest. Uh, it's nice, refreshing to have a guest sometimes, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, we're actually going to have a great guest on uh, Wednesday as well. I guess I forgot to mention this, uh, although we did just kind of firm it up basically in the last day or two. Uh, but we're going to have uh, Season George back again for, uh, well, I guess of Five Sister Farms. I guess she's coming as Five Sisters Farms. and She's going to come and talk about uh, cannabis tourism in, in uh, Humboldt County. So that's going to be super fun. So again, kind of an unusual day. I guess we're just going to kind of shake it up and do a guest on different days from now on. But anyway, cheers, folks. Nice to see everybody in the chat. Nice to see Gray and Stonia like Bologna. I always like to see it, say his name. Uh, it's always, I'm like, oh, wait, I got to say it right. Stonia like, no, Stony like Bologna. See, I always say it fucking wrong. There we go. I'm always trying to like uh, say it right, and then I end up saying it wrong. KNC, nice to see you. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, let's see here. While I show you guys his website, uh, welcome uh, again, for real. Uh, James and Wendy, nice to see you guys. You guys are from uh, Organic Cultivators. It's uh, Well, tell us honestly what, what it's about. Did it start as a conference? Did it start as something else? And what's it sort of turning into now? Yeah, it, uh, so <laughs> it actually started as a Facebook group that was uh, really just like a Michigan group and was started to kind of connect uh, organic growers and really growers um, of all ilks uh, to try to make sure that big business couldn't just force us out without us having a voice. And uh, I kept getting hit up from people to, uh, there he is. <laughs> Supposedly I look like this guy. <laughs> That's <what they> said. <laughs> um, but yeah, we kept getting hit up from people asking if they could join because they weren't in Michigan, but they were interested in the group. So we just kind of opened it up to everybody. And then it started blowing up like crazy. And uh, then we made it hard to get into the group and started looking for uh, moderators and admins um, who were smart uh, and could um, stimulate debate um, that was handled properly um, without name calling. And uh, mm -hmm. we, we stamped out on bro science pretty hard too. So. Um, and I just started reaching out to different people I saw online, um, people in the community. Um, some of them, you know, are well known in the community. Uh, you know, Patrick King, Tad Hussey is a moderator. Um, Wendy is an admin and moderator. That's how we actually met uh, was this Facebook group. So um, it's like 13,000 people now. Oh, and okay. uh, we just did our first uh, in-person educational conference in Massachusetts back in February. 
and uh, it was awesome. It, it was it was pretty great. The feedback. Wait, what? You were in Massachusetts. Yeah. It oh, wasn't man. extraordinarily well advertised. Yeah. We apologize. <laughs> so we'll be back next year, February to seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth of next year. We will be back in February for round two in Sturbridge. Um, oh, you're in Sturbridge too. Then, you know, Yep. And if uh, there there are videos on our YouTube channel from the first conference, we haven't posted everything yet uh, just because we have five kids in a farm. So it's hard to mm. get to all that. But uh, there are videos. Dan Kittredge, that you I have to go close the chickens up. All right. Go close the chickens. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Speaking of farm, I got to go take care of the turkeys yeah, it's and chickens. Po- it's pouring it's rain pouring here rain. in it's June. Dumping. Like... It's bizarre. I'll be right back. Yeah, um, but don't you guys need it? Oh, I bet. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely nice to have, but, you know, well, you guys are like climate. Yeah, you're not quite as parched as, as Southern California, but yeah. Dude, it's last year. I mean, I'm I'm an implant. I'm from Michigan, uh, so I'm used to it raining all the time. There's fucking water everywhere there. Uh, but last year, I was here several times, and I moved here in July. It didn't rain at all. Like, it was so dry. Um, and talking to all the locals, this is super, this hasn't happened in like 50 years. This is super rare weather uh but it's filling our pond so you know we have a what's that going to be what's that going to be like i mean i guess how do i say this this is that doesn't necessarily relate to your guys's conference or something but what what's it going to be like in california because we've been hearing about this the the crazy water use restrictions uh, i've heard from people that uh, uh growers are under really special uh, restrictions that for example uh in northern california apparently people can only water like once or twice a year in some cases uh, and then the rest of the year they have to pull from some other resource whatever else uh now the we just heard the other day that the largest reservoir i can't think of the name right now but the largest reservoir is at its like lowest level in history or something at the beginning of the summer season that's predicted to be just this crazy dryness like that's that's going to be a severe problem for agriculture isn't it yeah and you know when wendy gets back she can actually speak a lot on this mm-hmm. um they so the the farm itself uh, about four years ago uh got heavily restricted on water usage they basically came in and said we couldn't take water from the river anymore um and we can only take water for domestic use. Um, so 250 gallons a day is what we can take from our uh, surface water diversion. And then um, it took four years. Uh, basically, it took a month once the paperwork was filed to uh, dig the rain catchment pond um, to get a permit from the building department. And then the cannabis building department took another four years to approve the pond. Um, so four years, roughly, they grew at 10% of what they could have, um, the farms barely stayed afloat. I mean, it's, uh, with, with the market, the way it is, we're not sure if, you know, we'll last this year. We're, we're really trying to push to make a lot of stuff happen. Um, but as far as agriculture and water out here, uh, there's no limits on anybody except for cannabis farmers, really, you know, so we get treated very differently from regular agriculture. I'm, if if we were growing corn or anything else, we could just take as much water we wanted from the river as, as we wanted. Um, but uh, we don't. And so. so because you're not growing like a food crop or something, yeah. you basically have these crazy water restrictions that you're saying. They don't think it's – well, all right, here's the fucked up thing. They'll consider it a, a essential business, but they won't, they won't like work with us at all. It, it's mm-hmm. fucking ridiculous. I mean, I'm sure you guys have covered it, but, you know, we – Canvas businesses, and for me, it's been shocking because, like I said, I'm an implant. I'm from Michigan. I'm a small business owner, but I wasn't 
I didn't grow up in the cannabis industry. Wendy's a second generation farmer. She grew up in this, you know, she's, she's a, from Humboldt. She's lived here her entire life. Um, for me coming into the cannabis industry from outside of it, being a smoker forever, um, it's been, it's fucking shocking. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, when I came to California, I, I was excited because I right. thought California had it all figured out. And <laughs> it, it turns out they did like, you know, six, seven, eight years ago mm-hmm. before it went recreationally legal. So once they approved adult use, you know, everything just died here. You know, farmers have killed themselves. Farmers have gone out of yeah. business. Yeah. It's, People it's, don't realize how bizarre it is because uh, how do I say uh, there's always been a disconnect between, you know, what, where people think some, something comes from and then where it actually comes from. You know, people are famously weird about their meat. They don't realize it actually comes from a cow and stuff. And how do I say this? People always just assume, oh, you're in weed. Oh, you must be making money hand over fist. And certainly there are some people that are making money hand over fist. You know, Bud Kilowatt that might be in the chat soon has told us about how the Jungle Boys have so much money that they dumped, you know, $50 million in Florida. I mean, they didn't Oh, yeah, that was a huge very smartly, thing. to be honest. But the point is that they have tons of money. But other folks in Northern California, like you were talking about, I went down there in, what, uh, January? It was a amazing to see the hollowing out of the entire communities because so many of them really did rely on weed maybe that's not a good thing in in the long scheme of things sure but i mean they did rely on weed for a long time 30 years in some cases and now the weed industry just got pulled out from under them which is so let's really talk about that though like you you just brought up jungle boys cookies you got to remember they're not just selling weed they're, they have their clothing lines. It's 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 advertisement. They they hammer the market with so much advertisement, and they sell like they they have cookie clothing stores in all over the world. Yeah, I I think I think one important thing to point out it's is uber important. It reflects on the entire discussion is that cannabis culture is very different from cannabis industry and cannabis hype. Um, and the, the people in these communities that made, I mean, I knew about Humboldt when I was a kid. I mean, it's fucking world famous. The Emerald Triangle is well known. Um, everyone knew that the best weed came from here. Certainly when I was a kid, whatever weed I was getting in Michigan, a good majority of it was coming from California, at least from the people that I was getting it from, cause we had the best weed, but, um, you know, the people in those communities, sure. Some of them made a lot of money, but they also put that money back into the community. And then when they try to go legal, it, it cost them so much money that they ended up on the, the wrong side of it. So, yeah, there are some Absolutely. people that, that made a killing. I also think that, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll confess I haven't really I don't follow anybody in the cannabis industry at all. So I haven't watched your show. Um, I don't That's watch right. a lot of people's stuff. Um, but as far as burner and cookies and all that, I've heard the guy talk. I'm not a fan. I'm not sure why so many Me too. people are. And, I actually, um, I actually have a, a conversation of him talking about his cookie strain being a hermaphrodite, like <laughs> the whole the whole plant. Yep. Yeah, and you know the the thing with with that is it's sad because I know he's getting product from good farmers and they're fucking ruining it, mm. and he's not promote. You know, it's not actually support of small farms. It's you know that's. Unfortunately, the way things are set up and the way things have kept going, like here in Humboldt County, they just reduced the Measure S tax by like 80%. It's a, it's a cultivation tax we pay. We have to pay it before we can even grow anything. It doesn't matter if we well, sell anything. It's actually due at the end of the year. So if right, you right, right. grew, you have to pay. Right. Uh, before it was, you had to pay before you grew. So hmm. the tax was due before the season even started. The tax was due 
November of the year before you were going to grow. And then the second installment was April of the year you were going to grow. And uh, there was actually a huge lawsuit. There was a lawyer that sued the county that said that, you know, the way you're implementing Measure S is unconstitutional, is not what the voters voted on. It's very specific in the language of the actual bill that everybody voted on of the measure. And uh, he won. The county lost that lawsuit. So they changed it and turned it into a tax that was only due if you were planning on growing, you have the opportunity to, at some point before you start growing, tell them that you're not going to grow all. It's just, it's like an, another layer of bullshit that you have to go through. And basically, you still have to pay the tax whether you sell anything or not. Now, luckily, it used to be a, a dollar per square foot for outdoor, $2 for mixed light, and $3 for indoor. And that's now been reduced to 15 cents per square foot for outdoor, 30 cents for mixed light, and I guess 60 cents for indoor or 45 cents. But that's across the board. But that's across the board. It helps the big guys and continues to fuck the little guys. Can you go into that a little bit more? So some people probably don't know what numbers you're talking about. Right. Um, For the tax? Yeah. 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 So Humboldt County implemented something that says, you basically say, my garden is this big, and this is like 5,000 square feet or 2,000 square feet. And then you had to tell them how you were cultivating. Are you outdoor? Are you mixed light, which basically means outdoor plus supplemental lighting? Um, or like in a greenhouse, that's supplemental lighting. Anything that uses sunlight and supplemental lighting. Um, or are you strictly indoors? And then you're getting charged per square foot. So basically, if you're indoor in a 10 by 10, that's 100 square feet, and you would have to pay $300 per year to the county just for the ability to hold a license in that space for the county. Doesn't matter if you sold anything. Doesn't, doesn't matter, matter if, if your crop yep. failed. Yep. You got. You owe that money. You owe that money. And what was their justification like for that, or was there a justification? Oh well, you know, it was voted on by the wonderful constituents of Humboldt County. Huh. The the pro- part of the problem was was that. Um, Measure S was enacted in 2018, I think. So it was right when Prop 64 was going into effect. And at the time, it was like, you know, there was a lot of pushback for legalization, for adult use legalization in California in general. So all of the growers in Humboldt County were kind of like, there was this general track of like, well, it's not that we're against being taxed. And I was kind of like... I am. I'm, I'm against being taxed. I don't want to be taxed as a wholesale cultivator. Like that's bullshit. There's no other wholesale business in the United States that gets taxed. That's it. Do they tax tomatoes? Do they tax potatoes? Or do they tax beer? But by how much beer they're going to make sales wine, wine sales breaks. tax. But that's not. A, but the, but those aren't wholesale. Yeah. Like there is no wholesale industry. And to be clear, that's not a tax on cannabis. They it's it's a loophole. They made it it's, a land it's use. It's a land tax. use ordinance. A land use ordinance. So, so yeah. It's sneaky yeah. shit. It's a tax on a tax on a tax. And it's, and and so the problem was was at the beginning they had all these different ideas about what should be taxed and how it should be taxed and what the amounts should be. And uh, at some point they wrote it into a measure that the voters of the county voted on and it passed by about sixty five percent, I think. Um, just enough. And, um, yeah, I, and, and then it came back and bit everybody on the ass who was saying, well, we support a tax, (laughs) you know, three years later when everybody's going bankrupt and closing their farm doors, they're like, maybe we don't support that tax so much anymore. Maybe we actually need that to not work out the way that we thought it was going to. 
What's the future for this kind of stuff? Because it sounds like, I mean, from the outside looking in, it sounds like California has become uh, or is a very uh, anti-small cannabis business. Or are they? Do they care, do you think? Or California is pretty anti-small business in general. Um, I feel like it it likes to put on a good face. There's grants and things, but then it's like, well, now as a small business owner, you need to learn how to be a grant writer as well, Hmm. which like who has time for that? Seriously. Um, And uh, you know, in general, like it, we, there's stories from like our friend Johnny from Huckleberry Hills who went to the regulators and talked with them and said like, do you guys not realize that if this continues down this path, like you will have no small legacy farms left. All you'll have is these massive conglomerates of, you know, glass house greenhouses. That's what they want. And what they said was, we don't care. Whatever. Is it like, is it, it because it, it's easier for them? I mean, because yeah. uh, how do I say it? It's yeah. it's hard for people like us. I think a lot of, you know, the folks that listen to this show are, you know, smaller time growers, you know, home growers, medical growers, stuff like that. It's very difficult for a lot of us to kind of wrap our heads around why a state would act like that. It seems like there would be so much more, like I said uh, earlier, local money, you know, basically like when you have uh, outside investors or investors from out of state or anything else, the money flows out of the state. But if you have local growers, for example, or local producers, local uh, uh, distributors, on and on and on, they're going to buy their groceries locally. They're going to buy their razor blades locally, whatever it is that they use, basically their bananas, all of it's going to be, well, I guess bananas from somewhere else, but still like the point is they're going to be basically uh, shopping locally and spending their money locally. It seems like such a much better program you know like is is california aware of the fact that the humboldt county kind of scene has been hollowed out i mean whole towns basically look like they're empty like garberville well the thing is i kind of from like i'm an outside perspective i'm on the east coast it it seemed like they never wanted them there anyways yeah it's my, my perspective is that prop 64 got shoved down the throats of the regulators and policymakers they didn't want it going through And unfortunately, it got put to the voters and the voters voted yes on that. And at the beginning, I was like, I don't know, is it too conspiracy theory to think that they would get together to try and like squeeze out all the small guys as a retaliation? It seems unlikely. But, you know, five years later, I'm like, no, 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 it could very well be that, you know, there was a lot of deep money pockets that were in behind closed doors when 64 was being enacted. Um, a lot of deep money pockets that were, you know, they're involved in the writing of the regulations. And those pockets are definitely the pockets of big business. So it, it got really skewed from that to that side. And then you add to the fact that, you know, most of our cannabis industry that has been in, you know, in the closet, so to speak, um, up here in Humboldt County and Mendocino and Trinity, where, you know, the Emerald Triangle has been crafted and crafting and creating cannabis for decades and decades and decades, we've also been persecuted extremely heavily. So people were very reluctant to come out and speak up for their rights and say, we don't like the way this is going down. We don't agree with that regulation. That policy sucks. People just bitched about it amongst themselves and it didn't get to the right ears at the right volume when it needed to. So now we're at a point where, you know, the entire state is like, we're kind of screwed. We are getting good taxes, but they're dropping every year. Um, things are very upside down. People are going back to the black market. Uh, and it's it's just, you know, they're not happy about it. So now they're trying to craft all these things to try and keep us in the legal market. We'll give you a waiver. We'll give you some debt relief. We'll try and give you some grants. We'll try and, you know, do this and that and the other one. And, you know, hey, it's good enough, right? 
So, what um, could they do if if we were, could wave a magic wand and and I don't know unicorns? I don't even know. Unicorns had babies and they were made of chocolate, and we I don't know somehow melted the chocolate and everything was perfect. I don't know why we're melting unicorn babies, but whatever. If we wa- wa- wave the magic there? wand, I could I would have redone that metaphor if I could have beforehand. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're just going to roll with it. If you could wave a magic unicorn wand or something, uh, what would the state of California have to do to make it more friendly for, you know, smaller businesses? Well, you know, we had it pretty good during Prop 215. Hmm. Medical was great. Medical worked well. Um, we were still being raided. We were still having plants cut down. There were still helicopters and people dropping out of the sky and it was still kind of fucked up. Hmm. But they could have taken what was a very robust industry and figured out a few ways to support it at the recreational level instead of rewriting everything. I mean, we have our state taxes coming up due $16,620 to the state. Okay. That our license fees. Yeah. Our permit fees to the County previously were $18,000 a year. That doesn't include. Yeah. So So that's just two fees that you have to pay every year. That's just the two basic ones. Then we have water board fees, which are to the tune of $750 for water for a small use irrigation rights. Um, we have uh, the fish and wildlife lake and stream bed alteration agreements, which is only 500 or uh, 600 every five years. But the initial application was, I think, 2,400. Um, we have the, there's another water board thing that I can't remember, which is 2400 a year. Um, there's lawyers fees, CPAs. I mean, you know, and this is all... And it's less than half an acre. The, and yeah, less than, for less than half an acre. Um, and mind you, this these are all things that are due whether we cultivate or not. Every single one of those. That's the thing. You could have, a, the, I don't know, privilege. locusts could fly through or something. I don't know, there's no locusts. Fire? But I mean, like something Hi, we're in California. Fire. We get burnt every year. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Too bad. It sucks because, like... Happen. We're seeing that same shit on the East Coast because, like, yep. the way Massachusetts opened up, it, it, they had medical, but then they opened up a wreck. But it's a half a million to $3 million to get your license yep. here. New that York. says so yeah. much about what who they want cultivating, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. New York, same shit, pretty much. Uh, and then New Jersey, they've passed it, like, legal cannabis, and they just won't, like, set up laws. So people are still getting arrested wow. for it. So I think they actually might actually be opening up like they might have just did. But like they this did, past yeah. couple of years, 2020, 2019, people are still getting arrested in New Jersey. Yeah. Hmm. Rec is spelled W-R-E-C-K just for anybody who might be listening. <laughs> everybody goes from medical to rec, wrecks it. I was like, guys, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. And if you're going to make it recreational, stop arresting people. Well, you have to remember that most politicians are extremely inept you know there's no fucking test you have to take to become a politician so you know and most of them are in the pocket of big business so that's what they legislate for you know they don't really i mean yeah no guess what they don't care about the small farmer they could give a fuck less about any of us as long as their job's okay you know it's kind of a selfish profession i think a lot of us are waking up to that but um you know here in Humboldt County and in California and in states that have been legal for a few years. Cause I was just seeing online people in Michigan from my home state who are wondering what's going to happen. You know, there's a lot of people not growing this year and the prices are in the tank and 
Like, yeah, it's it's following suit. Everybody's following California and the same thing is happening. And people that think that federal legalization is somehow going to be a savior. Um, I got news for you. Um, every time it goes through the House, that's capitulation. They're not they're not passing it for a reason. It's to look good um, when the big tobacco companies are ready. Um, that's when it'll get passed. Or pharma. Yeah. Or big, big pharma. Big farmer, and big then tobacco. at that point, you know, if we're not all connected and organized and talking and have a loud ass voice, they will shut us out. I will tell you one thing. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I will tell you one thing though, that Humboldt County did right was that we enacted our um, ordinances with that land use registration uh, before California enacted Prop 64. So right off the bat, we were already crafting our ordinances and we were so far down it so what they did was if anybody's ever, if you, if you want to pay attention to California and see like something that has seriously exploded in like the most spectacular way ever, look at Trinity and Mendocino counties because they are like, they're just not able to grow because California said, well, in order to get a license through the state, which you have to do to be able to grow commercially, you have to be CEQA. California Environmental Quality Act. You have to get your CEQA. Now, a CEQA is an entire environmental report where they go over every single piece of your property, everything. They write how you may in, be impacting the environment, how you're going to mitigate that impaction. It's an insane report that usually only really large companies are made to do. Every single small farm has to do one. Humble I remember County this is this is years ago now. I don't know if this is exactly the, the same thing, but yep. I remember Subcool talking about basically how he had some particular uh, a, a moth or something that lived on his lo- a land, and there basically were like specific yep. water use rules just based yep. on that moth, and he had to like file out like file paperwork and everything else. There was a special inspector that had to come, I think, twice a year, and they had to pay for that inspector twice a year. It sounded a yeah. little bizarre, you know, when you describe it that way, right? Anyway, if we we, we like to for we like to pr- protect the environment in California, but, but we take it to some extremities. So um, basically, but what Humboldt County did was they said, "Listen, if you're going to come in under Ordinance 1.0, which is the very first ordinance we've been writing, we're trying to write it with the growers coming in and basically yelling at us all the time, which is what we did. We went into building planning a lot and went, "What the fuck is this? Are you shitting me? This is so stupid. You can't. No, this doesn't work." Um, and one of the things they realized very rapidly was that if you already had an existing farm, there was no more environmental impact being done. So as long as you signed an affidavit that said you would not change anything, you would not do building, you would not do grading, you would not move your gardens unless you had an environmental report that said this is a, a, a superior area over here, then we'll give you a CEQA exemption paper. And that will exempt you from CEQA, which means that all the legacy farms in Humboldt County that jumped in at the very beginning don't have to go through this process. Hmm. And that process costs about $10,000. And then, yes, God forbid they find a yellow-legged frog or a brown papoose moth or a hmm. fucking chocolate unicorn baby on your land. Hmm. <laughs> Those are the worst. Those are by far the worst. By yeah. the way, let's say hello to a couple of our new panelists. Uh, Val, what's going on? Uh, cheers. Oh, cheers. Hi. Uh, not too much. Uh, just I uh, cleaned the garden out today, so no scrub the bathroom. Um, so it's all nice and clean now. I'll go ahead and show that in a little bit. Sweet. Um, yeah. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. What's going on, Dell? Nice to see you, buddy. 
How's it going, guys? Yeah, man. Your ears must be burning. I was talking about you. I think before the show, I said nice thoughts. Uh, I said, uh, <laughs> oh, super cool guy. Uh, but uh, cheers, Dale. What's good? Uh, nothing much. Just um, get ready to get everything set to flip my tents into flour. Nice. I'll tell you that. Just sitting here, just chilling. Right on, man. Uh, Wendy, before, I, I guess when you were taking care of the chickens, uh, I was asking James, and uh, poor James was like, oh, Wendy would be the expert on this. So the, the crazy water use, uh, not the crazy, the crazy water levels in California right now are probably part of, I mean, how do I say this? They're caused by a billion different things, right? Like there's, there's the 1,200, once in a 1,200-year drought or something. I can't remember what they talk about. Are they, no, they say 100 it's year the, flood. There we go. Uh, long story short, I'm basically babbling, but the water levels are crazy low. I showed this article a little bit uh, before. Uh, the two largest reservoirs in California are already at critically low levels and the dry season is just starting. Uh, this is apparently a pretty common thing all around California. Same thing in Texas, too. Same thing in Texas. Well, one of the things that I thought about was that uh, California is like the fruit basket of America. I think they say 60% of fruits and nuts come from California. Yep. And I want to say like 40% of vegetables. And, you know, James was saying earlier, a tremendous amount, you know, probably on the traditional market of cannabis, but also now legal cannabis is obviously grown with water. How is that going to be impacted in the future? Like, I mean, how do I say this? I guess yeah, I'm leading you to in the sort of organic stuff, but I guess like before we get there, what do people do about the water use rules? Like, what are what are people going to? How are people going to mitigate this? So, well, with you know, the, the interesting thing was, um, so what four, five, six, six years ago now? Jeez, time goes really fast. Um, so six years ago, when, you know, California enacted Prop 64 and they started saying what you have to do, the water board got involved and Fish and Wildlife got involved. And they both said that, you know what, you're you're going to have to get water rights. You're going to have to legally be allowed to remove water from the systems. I was Fish and Wildlife. And then the water board came in and said, actually, we're going to make a new rule that says you don't get to remove water from the water table from the months of May through October, regardless of the water levels in the creeks. So you have to get storage, you have to get, you know, some way to reserve the water over the winter, and then you're not drawing it from the tables in the summer. So, of course, the cannabis growers kind of, you know, got all ruffled up and, you know, kind of went, well, why do we have to be the only ones that have to do that? This is bullshit. We don't want to, you know, but okay, we have to. So we all did. And the reality is, thank God we did, because there are farms that if you drive through like Modesto, you'll just see these like acres and acres of sand that used to be almond trees that when they started shutting down the water to the central California area, they started saying, you know, you don't get all the water from the dams anymore. We're not going to divert that much. You're going to have to be restricted and limited. The trees started to die. And basically they haven't been able to replant because there's not predictions that there's going to be enough water to continue doing that. Um, I've heard already that the price of corn and soybeans is going to be astronomical this year. So if there's vegetarians out there, I highly recommend you buy soybeans right now if you even still can and uh, learn how to make tofu or, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be a wild year for sure. There's uh, if you can... On top of that, yeah, they say the uh, 40 to 60%, I think, of the corn and uh, 
No, corn is mainly the one. Hold on a second here. Uh, sunflowers, like the majority of them, are, are grown in Ukraine and, and Russia. And uh, corn and wheat, a lot of it is grown. The wheat is what I was thinking about. 60% of wheat, I think, is grown in either Ukraine or Russia. I guess combined the two of them and a tremendous amount of corn, too. And, of course, because of the war there right now, there's all kinds of shenanigans with supply. Like Russia's trying to, I don't even know, uh, 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 they were basically trying to sell some stolen grain from Ukraine the other day and people don't want to buy that. And long story short, it's going to be an absolute shit show for food this coming year. Right. Countries right. like the US and Germany and the UK, we're probably going to just spend more money on bread. But I mean, countries like India, and Yemen and all these different places, they're gonna, there's going to be like actual suffering there, right? Yeah. We just got a weird note from my bank that was like, Due to the paper shortage, we're going to be mailing out your statements in a brown craft envelope instead of a white envelope because we can't get white envelopes. I'm like, pick a real problem, babe. Does anybody care what color envelope you use? Nobody cares. Jesus, give me a break. Yeah, but I went to a I mean, banker another... to be like, well, the, the yellow forms are not available, so we have to send the white, the white ones. Yes, that's right. Uh, sure. I, I think that all of this is uh, a glaring sign that we need to... If COVID wasn't a no, I know COVID freaked out a lot of people. So a lot of people started growing their own gardens and stuff. Um, yeah, uh, food sovereignty is something we should all be thinking about. Um, something that we're focused on. We're, we're actually um, starting to form a nonprofit with the Organic Cultivators Group. And um, along with funding research in the areas that we'd like to see research happen, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to apply for grants under, uh, under that uh, to fund research as well. But a part of the mission will be to educate people in other countries about how they can use regenerative agriculture uh, to produce food that isn't reliant on giant corporations like Monsanto. I mean, I don't know how and many people know, but there there are corporations that sell seed to farmers under contract. They're not allowed to make or collect their own seed from that. Right. Um, there, there's there's kind of like yeah, almost it's a another racket. It's it's pretty wild. And there's also um. Some, so I, I, we practice Korean natural farming on our farm. And um, one of the extreme benefits of KNF or Korean natural farming is that it creates a more drought resistant plant. So we've seen this. Um, I have some clients that I was working with um, just kind of on a piecemeal basis that runs 750 acres of vineyards uh, for wine grapes down in Napa Valley. And they started with a one acre trial a few years back and then they upped it to a 10 acre trial. And um, that was last year. And one of the things that they found was that the 10 acre trial, one plot of that was in a semi-dry farmed area. It was an area that had, it just didn't have access to water the way some of the other vineyards did. And um, last year was a shit year for grapes. There was late frost and freezing and things were budding out and they died. And, you know, they, they had a really rough time, but what they, the, these vineyard managers noticed it's Hill family estates is the, um, their winery. Um, but the thing they noticed was that the plot that was in this drier area, uh, got damaged as much as everything else did almost as much as everything else did. But the interesting thing was it came back way faster. It started budding out again. It put out a whole new set of buds and leaves and, you know, the whole whole nine yards. I'm not a, I'm not a venture. I'm not a, vineyard. I don't grow grapes, so I don't have the verbiage quite right. But um, well, I think we get you though. What do you attribute that to? Is it the, the actual interactions in the soil? What is it? Microbes. Yeah. hundred percent. Because conventional farming, the way we do things normally kills off microbes. I don't know if you guys have driven through the middle of the country, but it's flat and fucking bare, you know, and soil is not bare in nature. There's always right. something covering it up. Leaves, pine needles, Whatever. I said that the other day. 
Yeah. yeah it, it, li- it likes to be covered up. So um, not like plastic. Right. And we do all this tilling. We create compaction layers. We're killing off uh, tons of life in the soil every time we till. I'm not saying that tilling should never be done. It has its place and it has good use and purpose. Um, but uh, conventional farming really fucks things up. And Korean natural farming, the core principle of that is indigenous microorganisms collecting uh, microbes from nature, uh, from natural grasslands, forests, and bringing that back to your farm. And uh, that's the big difference uh, between that and everything else. There's often this kind of discussion, uh, you hear people say, uh, oh, organic farming is never going to feed the world. You know, there's there's 7 billion people, there's going to be more people. Than That's bullshit. Them. And organic farming can't feed the world, da da da, da because the yields are too low. And of course, see, I, I don't believe that, but a lot of folks basically say that over and over and over again. There's probably people in the chat who will basically say the same thing. And, you know, everyone is entitled to an opinion as long as they, you know, say it well. Uh, how do I say it? Uh, I- well, so that's what I was going to say. It depends the on your problem definition of organic farming. Regenerative organic. farming. The problem is organic as as defined in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bottles as defined of stuff. in the United Wait, States. That's a very good point. Is bullshit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, regenerative farming involves animals and a complete system. You know, things that you're doing. I mean, it doesn't always have to involve animals, but the, the, and it's a good. It's good if you can have it. But regenerative farming is about rebuilding your soil. The definition is that you're putting more into your land right. than you're removing. And you can do that by working with nature. I mean, don't forget, farmers have been feeding us for thousands of years, for generations. And there are places on the planet that naturally support agriculture. And a lot of it has to do with where it's at. So like areas that the uh, hurricanes happen, um, salt gets sprayed up on the land. That's minerals. So, you know, we think salt's bad. and get, you know, like salt a field over salt, mm-hmm. it, it'll kill everything. Um, but like the road in Carthage, that was, that was the, the end of that freaking city. But you're saying that, let's say the Nile river on the other side of the, the freaking Africa, as it flows every year, it's depositing salts and micronutrients and all kinds of, you know, ground up rocks and stuff from upstream. Is that basically, there's a it? reason why floodplains are fertile, you know, and our ancestors knew how to work with the land. Native Americans were super into tune with nature and what was going on around us. That's why they were able to teach us agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a I lot think of the going, time they had like flooding systems too. They would dig in and stuff and they would literally flood the gardens on the sides. That's what I do with my garden. It literally, I don't water it ever because it just absorbs water. Flood irrigation is, it's, it's a great way to do it. If you have a plethora of water yeah, yeah, flowing yeah. by you, <laughs> of if course. you don't have that, it's a little more difficult. Yeah. We have to drip water here. <laughs> yeah. Drip irrigation. Well, I was just going to say, actually, uh, now, you know, my friend told me to ask you guys simple questions, not complex questions, but let me, let me roll with this one kind of uh, uh, complex question. So uh, just like a lot of companies, you know, PepsiCo and Coca-Cola and whatever have kind of pushed the, the, the responsibility of their plastic production onto consumers by basically making us think that we can recycle. Realistically, they should have freaking dealt with those, those issues. A lot of uh, synthetic growers or a lot of, let's say, conventional agricultural uh, producers are basically pushing their problems onto us. By, for example, causing soil compaction or washing away of, of topsoil, washing away, phosphorizing the freaking lakes and rivers and everything else with their runoff. Uh, that's basically pushing their, uh, maybe this is a, a stretched metaphor, but that's pushing their freaking responsibility onto us. Whereas something like a regenerative system, an organic system, you're by, by your own definition, 
building back into the soil, and we always forget to account for that in terms of yields. So, for example, we'll say, okay, that synthetic uh, agricultural operation, we'll just say conventional, we'll just say conventional operation, their yield is twice as big or something, but their cost, their, their overall environmental and otherwise cost is probably higher in many cases than the organics. Or is that, I don't know, is that too complicated what I just basically got into, or is that, does that make sense? No, what, what you're talking about is um, like, even when we talk about the uh, gross product of the GPI, right? GDP. GDP, GDP, that's the one, gross domestic product of the United States, it doesn't take into account the damaging things that we're doing, right? right? So it's a, it's a false number. If it says it's, we're, we're fucking amazing, we're doing so good mm-hmm. with our, you know, our, our budget with the United States and we're, you know, which we're not, but if we were, <laughs> um, but it's not taking into consideration all of the impacts that are negative. Right. So do we yield less on our farm or does a dry farm yield less than an irrigated farm? Yes, it does. It absolutely does. No doubt about it. However, you're not spending any money on labor. You're not spending any money on fertilizer. You're not spending any money on, you know, any of these things that are part of conventional agriculture. So when we moved from an organic system, so we were still doing compost teas and micronized micronutrients and, you know, this and that and a bunch of manure and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we were still spending about $35,000 a year on our farm for 18,000 square feet. It's, It's a lot of money for a small square footage, but cannabis is a very, very hungry plant. You have to feed her a lot um, if you want to get those, you know, good yields. We moved from that to green natural farming and dropped to $3,500, which is, you know, I I mean, it was, it it was nuts. I was like, wait, I I kept doing the math. I'm like, no, 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 this can't be right. No, 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 this can't be right. I'm like, this is right. And um, the yield and our yield average yield per square foot was about the same as it always had been. So was it complicated getting into it when you first started, when you sort of dipped your toe into it, or did you have friends that were already into it? I did not. I, when I got involved, um, I made some, I, some of my best friends are actually from Korean national farming classes now. Uh, but when I first started, I was dabbling in it for a couple of years, trying to kind of figure it out with some really bad translations and, um, a couple of Facebook groups that, you know, gave me some questionable advice, we shall say at the time. Um, so when I first started, I think I did the, the standard thing that most people do, which is making a fermented plant juice, right. uh, because it's simple. You take the plant, you chop it up, you mix it with brown sugar, you let it set for about a week, you strain it off, and hey, you got a fertilizer. Only I went, hey, what do I do with it now? And uh, everyone went, oh, you just go go put it on the garden. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I nobody told me how much to put Step it on. Step one, make FPJ. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. <laughs> yes yes that was it now what do we do what's step three sell the underpants i don't know um <laughs> so i basically dumped on the i think i diluted 50 50 so i was really strong it's normally a one to 500 ratio right. i did one to one um luckily guinea pigged on my tomato plants which just instantly like literally Literally overnight turned brown and fucking died. <laughs> really? That was all shit. Wow. <laughs> that wasn't right. Okay. Oh yeah, it was amazing. And then the ants came in, and then the bugs came in, and then the and I was just like, okay. So what no. happened there for someone who basically has experienced that with with the uh, because that was basically a uh, one quarter mix of sugar, I think, if I'm making that, if I'm, yeah. kind of, I'm estimating that. So yeah. it was a pretty high sugar mix. Was that a bad thing to pour on the plants? What what happened to the to the plants there? 
So it was more than the sugar that did it. I imagine the sugar had part of it. But what happens when you're making a fermented plant juice is, uh, and I didn't understand this at the time, and it actually took me a few years to really be like, oh, this is what's happening. I get it now. So what happens is the sugar will actually remove all the water content from the plant. So it'll kind of desiccate your plant material that's in there. And then you're, you harvest your, so, so let me step back for a minute. Um, you start beginning up before light of day and you go out into wherever you're going to go and you get the growing tips of plants. So this is not old leaves. This isn't old growth, anything. You want fresh, vital, young plant tips. So, um, my first one I made out of thistles and I took the entire plant with the root, which you don't want to do. You don't want any dirt in there because the soil microbiology in this system is highly bacterial and it will actually cause it to spoil very quickly. Okay. Um, so I, so basically you get all these fresh growing tips of leaves and things or the tips of the plants. Um, and when you mix it with the sugar, the sugar removes the water. The reason why you do this early in the morning is the microbial content on the leaf surface is highest. Those microbes, all the bacteria and yeast that are on the leaf surface that are doing their happy little, you know, life thing on a plant will propagate in the moisture because they like to eat sugar and they like water. So they'll start to breed. And this is my understanding of it, mind you. I, this has not been taught to me. This is something I kind of came to realization. I'm like, I think I get it. So the microbiology then begins to actually get to the plant material itself, the cellulose walls. They're breaking down the actual cells of the plant, and that releases all the hormones, enzymes, and nutrients that are stored within the plant cell. So what you end up with is this syrupy mixture, basically, of hormones, enzymes, and nutrients. And because it's micronized, because it is smaller than small, and totally free floating in this small and small, which you yeah. like that. I like that small and small. It. <laughs> um, it's free floating in this, you know, liquid system. And so you don't need very much of it. It's not bound up in anything. It's plant bioavailable immediately. So when you use it at something like a one-to-one -one ratio, you basically can just imagine if you poured, you know, a liquid 50-50-50 directly on your plant with no dilution whatsoever. Your plant would just die. It's overdosing. So extreme I did that. Burn. Extreme nutrient burn. Extreme nutrient burn. Um, it, was, it was impressive how quickly it, it happened. It's so, so intriguing, yeah. you know, that the, there's so many different uh, uh, techniques to sort of... Uh, uh, I don't know, we'll call them, uh, maybe not natural farming because that misspeaks it. It's whatever, organic farming techniques. No, you know, natural Clackamas farming is a friend of the show. Yeah, uh, uh, yep, we'll just call it we natural call farming it. techniques, yep. right? Yep. Uh, Clackamas Kuda is a big fan or a friend of yeah. the show, and he always talks about malted barley and stuff. And and, and people yes. in the chat will always say, yeah. oh, how much is too much? And I say, I have yet to find out. I've I've, I've mulched basically with barley because it's so inexpensive. <laughs> like, you know, I come from the barley capital basically up here in Portland, Vancouver. <clears throat> and so uh, how do I say it? Uh, it's interesting to hear, maybe you have a different story with barley, but it's interesting to hear that there is something like a biostimulant that will do too much. You know, I've, I've heard from people who say that you can overdo with kelp, but I've, one time I accidentally dumped, dumped like a lot of kelp and I was too lazy to take it out of my water. Nothing happened to my plants. I and mean, of course that's one time anecdotally, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I would say a lot of times it's for most people, it's the problems that you have with a plant when you're using organic amendments like kelp and stuff like that is being heavy handed on a consistent basis. Gotcha. One time, 
mm-hmm. you're going to be fine for the most part, depends Absolutely. on what you're putting on there. Yeah. Um, you know, some powder kelp or whatever. Um, but I, I found early on growing indoor, like, yeah, you being super heavy handed all the time. That's mm-hmm. where you can run into your issues for sure. And stuff like seed sprout teas that are hormones. I mean, you can definitely overdo it with that and, and cause some mm-hmm. issues, but it we- depends on how much you're using it. We've consulted some people that they were like, you know, like a friend of ours, actually, who we were just like, dude, what's up with your plants? Like they're starting to show deficiencies. What's going on? Because we're pretty sure we know you're, you're, you know, we've talked about your system and it shouldn't be doing this. And he was just like, oh, well, you know, I've been pHing my water with phosphoric. Wait, was it phosphoric acid? What was he pHing with? It 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 was a phosphorus, basically. And, uh, it was throwing off the balance of his living soil completely. And then he got... He was overwatering. Um, right, he was overwatering. Usually it has... Most of the mm. problems have to do with not being able to water correctly. It's hard. That, that's like the hardest learning curve. Once you get that one, it gets a lot easier. Um, but yeah, we were basically like, you know, advised him. We were like, you stop. He's like, well, I have this huge amendment mix that this guy told me to use. And I'm going to put it all on there. And I spent like 300 bucks on it. And we're like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just stop pHing. You have living soil. You don't need to pH balance your water. Your soil is brand new. It was, um, he was using big roots, which has like every, I've I've used it for years and you don't add anything to it. Like not for a really long time. And, um, and basically he, he stopped pHing. He backed off, he got his watering dialed in and he's like, Oh, look at that. I didn't have Hmm. to do anything. (laughs) So it's like, you know, people just, uh, yeah. Heavy handed for wheat, I've done, I was going to say, mine was actually a, a malted wheat that I played with at the very beginning, years and years ago. Definitely had that created problems, but I also fermented it. So, you know, it wasn't like I just used it as a mulch. It wasn't a dry grain. I, I fucked with it and, you know, I was like, whoops. <laughs> yeah, we use alfalfa. I've had a lot of oopses yeah. that I've in my past, you know. <laughs> it's fun to, I don't know, it's fun to try stuff. It's fun to, to experiment. But at the same time, like a lot of people don't do it very scientifically, right? Like when you just kind of throw something at the wall, you never know what worked. You know, you don't really know what hurt, but you also don't really know what worked. And then you have to guess in the future. And I don't know, it's, it's bizarre. I, don't I was going to ask you. I'm um, neurotic about having it? a control group. I'm totally neurotic about it. I've done it for years. I think that's that's excellent. Well, describe that for us. Describe that for, I don't know, the whole audience, basically. When you try something new, what do you, describe your process, basically. Um, Well, so it depends on what it is that I'm trying to do or trying to see. But like, even back in the day, um, you know, there was a certain point, God, it must have been in the late 90s, I guess. I don't know, maybe early 2000s when I kind of started, there was all the nutrients on the grow shops were super expensive. Like, you know, and if people would use them, they'd be like, oh my God, this was amazing. And I'm like, that's $500 a gallon. Like, that's insane. What is it? We don't know. Water though. That's like the other thing of water. Yeah. 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 You didn't have to have, it wasn't technically a nutrient quite often, right? This was gravity, which makes your bugs big and hard, but what is it? Who fucking knows? Um, this is dark matter. It's going to like create this heaviness. You know, it, it was just, it was all this. That's what it is. It's dark matter. They found dark matter. That's why it costs this so much. This was a real product. Yeah, they got it in that a bottle a, and everything. It was a, no, it was a real they product. They literally this call it a, dark matter? Yeah. It was oh, one of my last one or <laughs> one of my first ones actually that I really did a side-by-side because I was like, this is stupid expensive. It smells like rotten cabbage. Like I, I have to try it because people are raving about it, but everybody's been using it on everything. 
So like, how do you know that that actually made a difference? It was a killer year last year. Like last year was just amazing. The weather was great. Uh, we had a late Indian summer. There was plenty of water in the rivers. And so everybody had a phenomenal year. I don't know that it was this shit. So I basically, uh, you know, kind of went back to my science background and went, okay, if you want to know whether something makes a difference, you have to have a control group, which means that there's one variable ideally. And so you have your plants and you have a group of plants that you use it on and a group of plants that you don't. And the only thing you change is that one thing. So I use dark matter on some of them and not on these ones. And what I found out was that it didn't do shit. It made no difference whatsoever. Um, and I've done side by sides ever since every single time I make sure that I have like my seeds that I just started at, we're at this, um, we're doing this really fun orange turbo project. Um, with uh, Frenchie Cannoli's wife, Madame Cannoli, and uh, um, Kush Coach, his name is Jeff, and they kind of got it together. There's over um, like over forty seven countries. No, there's 100? yeah over forty countries and over four hundred growers. I think or something. I can't remember the numbers now. It jumped up again. It's pretty wild. It's but we're all growing the same seeds, which was one of Frenchie Cannoli's favorite cultivars to wash. And we're just doing it for fun. Nothing else. What cultivar is it? It's Trinidad or something or what? Orange Turbo. Orange Turbo oh, from MTG Seeds. Nice. Um, and Django passed away last year, who's the breeder of MTG. And mm. Frenchie passed away. So um, it's kind of just ended up being this really beautiful kind of um, group grow. And so we've all been sharing our seedlings and things. And because the seeds are old, they came out of the vault. A lot of people had trouble with them germinating. So I, I had that trouble. I bought 50 and I have like two plants that actually look okay out of the 50. I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is like, I've never experienced this before. And, and in a weird way that they would germinate and then the taproot terminated like something had eaten it, but nothing had. And after talking with a few of the other growers, they're like, I have the same exact problem. So I think there was maybe a batch that wasn't held with good stability or I don't really know. Um, but I reached out to MTG and I said, you know, I had really bad germination rates, I, but I'm determined to be a part of this project. I really want to do it. It's going to be super fun. So um, I'd like to get another pack. So she, Shanna just sent me out another 50. Um, I was like, you know, can I pay you for it? And she's like, nope, nope, nope. Our bad for, you know, not, we want to make sure you have something to work with. So with my second group, what I did is I did different seed soak solutions to find out which one was going to give me the best germination rate. So I, I did plain water. That's my control. There's nothing added to it. It's just water. I did um, a, I did it wrong, but I did a bean enzyme soak. Um, I did the hydrogen peroxide soak. I did a hydrogen peroxide 30 minute soak followed by overnight with our Korean natural farming seed soak solution. And I did straight seed soak solution. And I've been tracking them. And I was like, okay, oddly enough, the germination rate out the gate the hydrogen peroxide and then seed soak and the plain water were best. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I never would have guessed the control group would have outperformed all the other ones. Uh, but as they've been growing, it's like, you know, some of them popped out and then kind of like just didn't do much. Some of them I've cold because they were weak. And uh, well, I'm going to track it throughout the entire life of these hmm. plants. I'm keeping the tags on. That's a good say, point because know? in the first cycle, maybe the, the, the water ones germinated better, but maybe they're weaker plants overall right. than the other one. You know? Yeah. Good point. Exactly. So just because something sprouts best, I could say this caused my best germination rate, but do I know that actually means that that's going to be a better plant in the long run? Cause I don't care if it germinates if it's a bunk plant at the end, 
I want it to be a strong, healthy germination and be a strong, healthy plant that also yields really well and produces superior hash. So, you know, but if you don't have, again, a control group to balance it with, you don't really know if that was the thing that made the difference. Yeah. So, and as far as the, I don't know where the peroxide ones are at, but I don't know if you guys know Dr. James White. Um, you should check out on YouTube. He's got um, a video on rhizophagy. It's the rhizophagy cycle. It's how roots actually take in microbes. Video. Yeah. So and cool. he covers um, microbes on and in seeds. So when you do do a hydrogen peroxide, so be aware you are killing off the microbes on and possibly inside the shell of that seed as the water goes inside of it. Here's a couple of videos of it for folks to uh, Google it. I just literally looked up the rise. I think I even spelled it wrong. But anyway, the rise of No, I did spell it right. The rise of cycle uh, with James White. There's uh, how plants get nutrients from microbes. And then there's a uh, rise of cycle with Dr. James White. Anyway, take yeah. it, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> uh, what was I going to ask uh, a little while ago? Uh, I'm forgetting. Uh, folks, by the way, if you have any, uh, these guys have been a champ, honestly, for, uh, for the interview. So, by the way, uh, uh, Wendy and James both, uh, I didn't actually say this earlier in the show. Uh, this show will probably go on longer than you guys stay on, honestly, like because we're, we're going to be here until probably 11. I don't know. If you want to if you want to try it, you're welcome to stay the whole time. Uh, but how do I say, you know, people have busy lives. So, you know, I understand that you guys uh, uh, might would like, you know, you might want to uh, leave at some point. So you're more than welcome to at some point. We've had a, a great interview so far. Uh, we'd love to have you further, though, because like I said, we're going to be here for a little bit longer. So uh, I was going to ask you. Uh, hey, man, we like hanging out. I still got half a joint. Well, I, I really appreciate it. Tell us more about uh how do i say it? i was going to ask you uh well maybe i'll ask you that question in a second tell us more honestly about the conference so uh how do i say uh let me show the the, the page here again uh if i can find it but organic cultivators you guys are actually having like uh, uh how do i say it's not like but you had a conference in february you're having another one in uh oklahoma in uh, at the end of july right uh, tell us right. about that you have some wonderful guests you have uh, uh, chris trump's been on the show before uh, you've had a few people I've, I've gotten to meet a couple of these folks uh, uh, dr uh, uh suzanne wainwright evan or no 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 I'm getting her name wrong. Yeah. Hold on. Wait, there we go. Yep. There we go. Suzanne Wainwright. Yes, exactly right. Uh, the bug lady. Yes, absolutely. Delightful person. She makes candy and stuff. She, she's uh, so funny. She does but make anyway, candy. She yeah, makes candy she makes, as a like, hobby. Isn't that freaking candy. funny? Yeah, she, with like yeah, old candy machines. she buys old candy machines yeah. and fixes them. Like yeah. crazy candy machines. The best part up. is she said she doesn't even eat the candy. She's yep. like a full-on yeah. chaos Muppet. You know, she's like a, a chaos Muppet. Sorry, she Which makes candy but does she, not eat it. <laughs> yeah, it's wild because she drinks like 100 Cokes a day. So right. she's definitely that's a sugar hound. Yeah, that's probably why she doesn't look She doesn't need the hard She's not the candy. She's that's not it. about the candy. That's it. So tell us that's about this. Well. What what can people expect at a conference like this? Uh, uh, we talked about a different conference, you know, not too long ago. And folks were like, oh, that's, you know, expensive or not expensive, whatever. What can people expect from something like this? What I mean, why do you put the conference on for folks? Uh, well, as far as why we put it on, um, initially why we started talking about putting it on was I, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the regen conference that Josh Rutherford puts on and I bought tickets for it, uh, before COVID happened when I was living in Michigan and then moved out here and eventually gave my tickets to somebody so they could go to this year's in Maine. So I never actually made it to his conference. But um, I was friends with some of the speakers that he would have on, and I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to go. I was really looking forward to going to, the, to his conference. And then we had the group, 
And I was like, fuck it. Wendy and I were talking. We're like, let's just let's do it ourselves. She had helped put Josh's the second one on and then a couple ones after that. Right. Uh, Well, I I went to his first one in Portland, Oregon, and um, then basically coerced him and Layton at the time to get all of the speakers down to Humboldt County that same year. And they were like, okay, let's do it like three weeks from now. I was like, oh my gosh, I have no time to plan this, but yeah, okay, do it. Let's do it. We're going to do it. It's fine. It'd be great. And it was actually phenomenal. It was probably one of my favorite conferences ever. Um, And then helped him kind of organize for the next two years after that. And, uh, and then basically just got busy and well, you know, life happens and shit. And so, yeah. Um, so we wanted to do So ours. we kind of were like, well, we should just do one of our own then. Because wasn't that? And originally it was actually going to be a, a retreat for the organic cultivators admin group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like, let's just all get together. And, um, and then we we're like, we should all get together and go camping. And then I'm like, I'm going to make everybody medicated uh, gummy penises so I can tell you all to go eat a bag of dicks. And- <laughs> it's actually a company. Yeah, there's a company in Michigan called uh, Dicks, and their slogan is "Eat a Dick." <laughs> Mark, dear McMahon, that's okay. It's in Michigan. We're in that's California. Right. It's fine. We, we I have a designing packaging right now. <laughs> so funny. Um, oh, you have one? Yeah. Yeah, there is. There's a box. Um, it's just like a mock-up. But um, yeah, so we the first conference we reached out to people that were friends. Like Suzanne's one of the admins in our group on Facebook. So if if you want to reach out to her and ask questions and get information from other people and you're on Facebook, you can join it. You have to answer the questions. Um, oh, yeah. It shows up here too. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, <there's a> <laughs> um, Perfect. You're great. But uh, yeah, so Dan Kittredge is one of the speakers and Chris Trump, um, Stephen Reisner. Um, from potent Ponics will be speaking at the one in oklahoma at the end of july uh but it's all natural farming pretty much um obviously there's a lot of cannabis talk but dan kittredge um you know he's an organic farmer his entire life um his parents started nofa on the east coast um it's a really great organization that helps connect farmers northeast organic farmers alliance right nofa uh association association Association. Association. yeah um but uh yeah basically what can you expect expect to get your head broken open um i mean that that was yeah in a good way not no one's gonna hurt you but well we won't make any promises yeah um tough tough crowd bro some of the concepts there and um i think especially in oklahoma where we've experienced some of the cannabis and I, I know people are trying to to do it the right way. And uh, with testing coming in and, and metric and all that, I, I know they're really going to need to make a shift towards clean medicine. Watching them freak out about metric has been yeah. really fun. I mean, not, I mean, actually, I don't mean that in like a super evil way. I just mean that like, you know, we struggled through for so many years in California and now we're watching other States come on and we're like, Oh, we need to help you so badly. Let us give you tips. Let us help. Let us like, it's okay. You'll get through it. We promise. Metric sucks. It'll be all right. No, no, don't call them. Just call us. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, Oklahoma is, um, it's an interesting state in that so many people went there thinking that they were just going to kill it. Huh. And they didn't realize that, you know, it's just because you have been growing for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years 
in California, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can kill it in Oklahoma because it is so different. They have leaf spot diseases up the wazoo. Like it is nuts. I mean, I, I talk with Steve regularly. We trade disease plant pictures and like, you know, variegation versus some type of mosaic disease. And is this septoria or is it a different type of leaf spot? And is this a pest or could it be that? And, um, you know, I, Oklahoma's just, it's real different. And one thing that we kind of, I don't want to say no for a fact, but one thing that we are experiencing at a very great level is that plants grown natural farming. It doesn't matter what system they're in. They do better. They are more disease resistant. They are more pest resistant. They uptake nutrients better. Uh, they cost less. It's a little bit less labor as well, labor is about the same because you're doing some other things, but you know, you're not running around troubleshooting all the time. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about that type of stuff. There's a lady named Jenna Beckerman, who is a plant pathologist. Um, she's with Purdue University. She's been studying hemp diseases for a long time. We're going to try and get her reined in a little bit and honed in on the, the plant pathology of the um, the viral diseases, not the viral diseases, the leaf spots. And the, stuff leaf spots. Having problems with yeah. the fungal diseases. A lot of the conferences Q&A. So that yep. part of what we did last time and what we're continuing to do and expanding on is allowing for tons of Q&A. So yes, the speakers will have a presentation, but like Dan, especially like most of the time when we talked from last week, I was like, yeah, generally I don't even start talking until I take questions from the audience for like 10 minutes. He's like super interactive. Um, but and, knows but, nothing about weed, really. Right. He smokes he, it, that's about it. Right, he smokes it, but he doesn't know much about it. it his video is actually one of the ones that are on our YouTube channel. Um, and he's crazy smart. Um, and he makes well, it, all it feels ridiculous to say this, but it's sometimes you have to remind people like people uh, who grow plants know how to grow plants, right? Like you don't have right. to specially it's grow it farming. differently because it's weed, right? Yeah, it's a plant. Yeah. Right. Still and farming. we're and it, it all comes down to the system of the soil food web, really not to but, not subscribing to Elaine Ingham. I think a lot of her stuff's kind of out of date, but. But the thing too, um, is that, you know, knowing how to grow plants is knowing how to grow plants, but there are things that farmers like one of dan's best questions he was like why would you want to yeah, clone yeah, anything yeah, yeah. and we're like why would you want to clone anything i mean everybody just started kind of laughing because i'm like oh that is such a cute question from a farmer who grows from seed and grows tomatoes and you know it makes for great conversation it's great conversation it's, a, it's really really good debate and so. we have um jace rivera is going to talk about korean natural farming for indoors specifically which is one of his like you know definite jams and that's what it's going to say one of the things that is different is that you know, the majority of cannabis that's grown in the United States is grown in a room with walls and fake light. And, you know, it is a different, it, it's different than growing out in a field. Yeah. Having done all of it myself in multiple states and, you know, it's, it is definitely, you have to take it state by state and you have to take it system by system. And what works on my farm won't necessarily work on your farm and what works in your indoor won't necessarily work in my indoor. So, you know, I think that cannabis is definitely has more nuance to it. So um, that's always fun to talk about with a group of people. And, you know, we, to get that, uh, I don't know, how do I put this? Uh, uh, cannabis is a weird one because it's a, a lot of times for folks, it's just a drug that they get high off of. But at the same time, some of us really know that there's just an absolute 
shocking variety. I think a lot more, at least I've said before, that there's a lot more variety in oh, cannabis sure. than there is in wine or alcohol or anything else. But for example, people are aware of how, or at least they're aware of culturally, because the winemakers tell them how, you know, the, the, the winemaker is this great magician who practices you know, the dark magic to make the, you know, pull everything out of the grape. Whether or not that's true is debatable to some degree. But I mean, I guess maybe on some level, that's, I guess, what I'm kind of joking about with, with cannabis, like maybe to pull that last little bit to get it to be really flavorful, really Really delightful to get that wonderful experience that's not just a high that takes more right cheers Coot, by the way welcome yeah you add cha-ching yeah yeah that's all you gotta do just add more chill we have a saying on the show just add more calmac that's all you gotta do just add more uh, that's every, a heavy one. one. <laughs> yeah well i mean i you know there's you really need a cowbell to yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a, <laughs> it's a, more calmac exactly it that's a great uh, idea i love that Good. What's going on, my friend? Welcome. I stand alone. I've never used my phone stands. I only use uh, Calmac Coot. I uh, I wash myself with it. It, uh, it uh, gives me, I mean, a powdery but very vigorous appearance. Yeah, that's that's all I use. It, uh, I flavor my coffee with it. Yep. A great yep. egg substitute with make, with baking. Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't have eggs, just use Calmac. Don't do this, you guys. They say yeah. they don't have protein. It doesn't have protein in it, but it just tastes so good that it, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're joking, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is bullshit. But uh, what's going on, Coot? Oh, not much. Just watching, uh, trying to plan out uh, some trips this uh, summer down to the Oregon coast down south. So we're watching uh, some travel videos on YouTube. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, you know, like Boardman State Park, like 12 miles of wilderness right on right. the sand. So that's really yeah, cool. Yeah. No, uh, no, 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 right? Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Coot, we've been talking about, uh, uh, we've been dancing around the organic subject for a long time, but we've finally gotten into organics. Uh, uh, Wendy and her uh, partner here, are, are uh, they run an organic conference and they've been doing uh, natural farming techniques and stuff. And actually, I just noticed on their website, they talk about, you know, they offer a, f- a few soil mixes and, and yours is one of them. Uh, do you have any uh, questions? Do you have any uh, thoughts like, uh, uh, how do I say this? Um, uh, I was getting into the the sort of uh, organic. It's no good for cannabis. <laughs> organic growing eat. is no good for cannabis. No, no, no. Uh, my soil mix. I've so that, that's of course, it's, yeah. It's, you know, yeah. there's not enough magnesium right. or whatever. Definitely whatever not enough calcium. Of, yeah. of the month, that's what we yeah. get. You know, not nearly enough boron. You need like yeah, five times as much boron, probably. In molybdenum. Yeah. I was gonna say molybdenum. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. That's why. What's yeah. up, Coot? How are you? Good. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that makes my, my soil mix work, <clears throat> and this is why people that have, you know, have bad things to say about it, is they don't want to invest the time, much less the money necessary to get real worm castings. And they think they're going to go buy it at a, a grocery store. And you're not. And it's not some guy's uh, pile of shit behind his barn out in, uh, you know, Dumbfuck, Arkansas. You know, it's, it's a process. <laughs> the vermicompost is a, a process of OM, organic material, and turning it into the best quality uh, humans you can get. And that requires, what do you call it, an effort. Hmm. Um, here, just give me an example. 
<clears throat> when Jeremy took on a, a, a small family uh, from a compost operation called uh, Colorado Worm Co. Woco, Colorado Worm Company. Yeah, Co. Woco, uh, Colorado Worm Company. So uh, he sent me a bag of it. And um, this is really good because Fume knows that's where he buys his worm castings from, this gentleman over in Southwest Washington, Northwest Redworms. You know, it's a two-year process, two years. Uh, and you're not going to do with kitchen scraps. That's just lunacy. Kitchen food items are basically, what, 99, 98% water? Worms are magical, but they can't turn water into worm casting. So anyway, Jeremy sends me these worm castings from uh, the gentleman, the family operation. And I tried them and they were wonderful. And so my first question was, so how long does it take? And guess what? Two and a half years, because that's what it takes. And, you know, this uh, need in the cannabis scene to try to present something. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is buy this. I think it's disingenuous and it's, it's just uh, it's, it's uh, profiteering, isn't yeah. it? Like, if there's one thing to make money, but there's another thing to kind of profiteer off of cannabis, isn't it? Basically, sell people dreams and no. stuff in a bottle. Oh, nobody wants nobody wants to hear that this is like a three year process to get to no. where your soil is good. People no. don't. They're like, no. How do I do it faster? Like, I want you, it from a bottle that I can mix up and pour on. It's ridiculous. What do you speaking of the, the the whole process of just kind of time and soil and everything else? What do you guys? Uh, think about so Coot here uh, basically I think uh, in fact he says this I don't have to think I, I think he'll probably agree with me that he said before mix the soil and you're done basically let it go and do its thing uh, whereas in Korean natural farming you're always kind of uh, well I guess he's still stimulating it with different stuff but he always talks about sort of making the mix uh, good with all the nutrients that you need in there and then basically just supplementing it as needed with a little bit of barley whatever whereas uh, KNF or natural farming techniques are quite uh, uh, labor intensive I don't know where do you see the is there a conflict between the two systems or are they just two versions of a a, a different coin or i don't know how, how do you guys interpret that kind of stuff i would People say the labor is so, mostly yeah. on the front end it's it, making the inputs beyond well, that it's, i mean i if we're talking but, about knf imo is you're stepping into a farm that's been doing it for five years so, so you have a little bit of a an inaccurate viewpoint of it um because once you hit your three on your soil you're really not doing a lot anymore it is slightly amending. It's the same thing, but you really have to build your soil health first. So, you know, if you're outside, you're the, the idea of indigenous microorganisms is you're taking the diversity that's available in nature and you're during different seasons and in different areas on your farm or nearby, and you're inoculating a garden area with that. Um, the idea being that we want to create a more balanced fungal to bacterial ratio because plants tend to do better with that. Um, cash crops, I should say. If you look at successional planting, grasses come in first, and then you have shrubbery and scrubs, and then you have bigger trees, and you know, it goes on. And as you get older with your soil, as it gets more stable, your big trees are there, the fungal dominance increases in that soil. So what we're doing is we're kind of uh, exponentially stepping the time frame up on our bacterially dominant soil out in the farm, and making it kind of more of a successional aged forest with a lot more microdiversity. Those microbiology 
can then access nutrients better. And basically what happens is over the course of about three years of adding IMO to your soil, um, you end up with so much diversity that you can start backing it off. You also stop having to add extra nutrition to your plants. So at the beginning, you might have to do a weekly spray of a um, or soil drench of some kind of natural fertilizer. But after a few years, you don't really have to use very much of it anymore. People are always asking me, like, how often do you fertilize? And I'm like, you know, I don't want to tell you that I don't really anymore because I don't really anymore. But, you know, that's only because I put a lot of time into this. It's been years of building that soil. And even when it was an organic system, we still were fertilizing a lot more than we are now. Listen, spraying SES is no different than spraying a fucking herbicide every week in a yeah. conventional farm. So, again, the labor up front, the making the inputs is probably... Yeah, but making more, making the inputs not is that much. What? I don't think it's that... Five days a year, maybe? Yeah, right. So, let's take it back to the, the cannabis scene just for a second, as much as I just... This thing. Um, trying to, to explain to a stoner that your soil will get better. And there's yeah. this shit, excuse me, this crap about fresh soil that had to come out of a grocery store. Yep. Um, you know, like, no, I, why do you. Oh, that you always need to grow in fresh soil or some shit? Oh, yeah. well, no, this one. Well, you know, we got done, we brought in a backhoe and we dug big holes and we filled it with. Fox Farm. Uh, Why did you do that? You just fucked up your soil. Yeah. 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 You know I mean, because potting soil is superior. It's another to take your boot <laughs> off and sock and make sure it's a good, clean hit. You know, and um, there is, you know, I've said this a thousand times. I'll do it again. Most of us learned when we, before we went to kindergarten that Jack and the Beanstalk was a fraud. There is no magic bean. There's no Something you can do to something and have it, you know, create a new life for you. There is hard work. There's looking at botany as a science and not stoner science as a path forward because it isn't. I mean, I've been around this long enough to have seen more miraculous products since Cervantes wrote his book in 1979, 1980. First, we did phosphorus and then we did potassium and then it's calcium and then it's magnesium. I want something exciting like, uh, oh, I don't know, boron, melendamon. Let's look on the uh, periodic table. Maybe there's something really killer that we could uh, yeah, uh, yeah, something that would cause a particular reason. Yeah, but anyway, that's the hardest is to explain is that living soil means exactly that. It's biologically alive. And your goal as a, a, a farmer, a gardener, whatever you want to call yourself, is to add to that dynamic, not trying to make it more dankety-dank. The dankety-dank will come by the activity of the microbes. And Every all time this, you say that, you make me laugh. What's that? <laughs> Every time you say dankety-dank, I laugh. <laughs> I have to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, complex flavonoids and cannabinoids come from diverse microbial communities yeah. Yeah. The, the proof is in the testing it's we've said there. this a bunch of times on the show and, and this is still somehow a debate among a bunch of people by the way pick your favorite yep. uh pick your favorite element here ladies and gentlemen pick a good one Green. but people are always saying that uh, oh no Green. there's no difference between uh salt grow or let's just oh, call it vegetable grow or anything else and an organic explain grow. to me explain to me why how about i can go a, into a 
If I go into a, a really good uh, food store where they sell real food, and I can buy tomatoes that are grown up in British Columbia in a greenhouse using this because it was set up by the Dutch Dutch companies. It's all hydroponics crap. Why is it though? People who will who are actually like really into good food are willing to pay five six dollars a pound for heirloom organically grown tomatoes. I sent you pictures the other day, Coot. Of uh, in fact, I could probably show these pictures to be honest while I'm talking about them if I can find them. Uh, I showed you pictures of uh, of all places, just Trader Joe's. It wasn't some super fancy uh, Italian local grocery store or anything else. Just literally Trader Joe's, and they have some new eggs that are pasture raised. And I used to buy their uh, organic eggs, and so I still had like a you know, just the remaining dozen or whatever of the organic eggs. And I was literally making breakfast and I, you know, cracked a couple of the, the regular eggs and then I cracked the, the new pasture egg. And I was like, what the shit? The new pasture eggs are orange, orange. compared to yeah. Yeah. Uh, yellow. Exactly. Here we go right here. Yeah, like that's where they're supposed to be. Country egg, yeah, right? that's, that's where sunny side up came from. <laughs> chickens, chickens that are pasture raised, that are like, you know, raised on Bugs. real food. Um <laughs> The chickens themselves will actually have orangish yellow skin and fat. It's not white the way that a, a conventional right. chicken is. And, yep, and there fact, it is. Yep. In, in the old uh, early days in this country, when you had a lot of immigrants, especially in the big cities, the mm -hmm. Jewish cooks would always go for the chickens with the yellow skin because that's the ones yep. that had the flavor. And this yep. thing of white is a marketing scam by poultry producers because it's got to be look fresher. It does you know, that yellow stuff is aged. So now we have a chicken that's got white skin, no flavor. Um, when you talk about factory farming, I don't think you can get a worse example of it than the poultry sector. It's um, literally just water. It, it, like chicken, like like Purdue or whatever you want to get. They don't have any flavor at all. Coming from like a kitchen. Well, uh, we're uh, Hugh and I buy our uh, worm castings. Doug, he's got the one time he had 150 chickens, which with a worm operation isn't too good of an idea since each chicken's capable of eating a couple <laughs> hundred workers a day, but, uh, minimum. But you get those eggs from him and you crack them open and like the centers are orange. There's not yellow, they're orange. And when you eat it, you go, yeah, that's what an egg's supposed to taste like. But see, the people making this specious argument that, oh, salt grown this or that, let's take wheat out of it because that's too emotional. No, no, I'm growing the goblin goo, man. You know? yeah, I've never had a good non-organic tomato. The only good tomatoes I've ever had, honestly, right. ones that I grew or friends of mine grew, but second place was like the best, you know, store in town or whatever, you know, new seasons, or whatever. For I told us, you my philosophy. Whatever, organic tomatoes. Those were at least tomato-ish. Go ahead. All right. Uh, here's the argument. We don't have to talk about wheat. We can talk about stuff that is grown commercially, hydroponically by experts, not some clown who used to work in a grocery store. Okay. So let's look at all the items that are grown. Well, you got tomatoes. Okay. Yes. Makes sense. And you got uh, those horrible peppers that have no flavor, the orange and yellow and red ones, bell yeah. peppers, okay. Oh, and you got those uh, safe, uh, no, that's- <clears throat> Lettuce, you got lettuce. Lettuce is a big- Well, I was talking about the cucumbers, English cukes. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they laid that one on the bridge, but whatever, mm -hmm. they have enough problems in their own. Um, 
Yeah, and the butter lettuce, which is really a factory that goes through, it's never touched by human hands until mm-hmm. it comes off the assembly line days water. later. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, those are it. You don't grow peaches hydroponically. You don't grow strawberries hydroponically. You don't grow blueberries. Why? Because those items you're going to eat without embellishment. But all those other items, they're going to be put on a sandwich or in a salad. You're going to dump a bunch of fat and artificial flavors on it in the form of salad dressings or mayonnaise or whatever. So who gives a shit if it doesn't taste good? As long as that tomato is sitting on that hamburger patty at Red Robin's right in the center when it comes out of the kitchen, you did good. But it's not considered... So if you're going to like a burger place, the yeah. tomato, the lettuce, and all that stuff, it's just filler. It's just for your yes. eyes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, not to mention all of the varieties that we grow are selected specifically for shelf stableness and what it looks like. It has well, nothing have, to do with flavor. In the or sector, aroma. they call it legs. legs. Your shelf life, they refer to are it we, as legs. Are yeah. we starting to see some of that in cannabis too, or have we seen sure. some of that in cannabis? Because yeah, uh, about at 1981. Least, uh, well, I'm I'm curious, honestly, I'm curious what what uh, uh, Wendy and James think because I I bet you guys have wonderful weed, but I'm sure you've heard of the stories of dispensary weed that's you know super swaggy. I was in California not too long ago, and the dispensary weed was just I mean it was I, I don't want to say how Dude, we how much can, I didn't like it. We I me I, well both of us, but I mean I don't know what other people's experience is. I mean I smoke weed for over twenty years and generally bought whatever and you know wasn't. Uh, discerning about what I was smoking for a long time. I knew what good weed was, but like I didn't care what it was called or anything like that. Um, certainly a lot of it was hydro and we thought hydro was the best when we were dumb teenagers. Um, but when I started growing for myself as an adult, it was always regenerative cannabis and high quality, just like what we grow on the farm. If I smoke weed from the dispensary, most of it is grown with salt-based nutrients. I get a headache. Yeah. I get a headache around my temples. Around my eyes, I can tell. If you if you grew your shit with stuff from a bottle and I smoke it, I can tell. Um, so okay. I, just that fact alone, uh, you know, there's there's something to be said for and you know, for not, not, not even go ahead, smash. not even they all look the same. They they trim it all the same. Like yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's so easy to tell. Like dispensary weed or or let's say Cali packs if you want if you want. <laughs> And, well, it's all on a trimmer. Well, and, and I mean, part of that, again, comes back down into the commercial cannabis in California is a just utter shit show. So, you know, it, it's not really where the small brands are starting to come back into things. But even so, it's, you know, it's a shit show of packaging. You can't well, I get have it. some bad news for you. Does it get better? No. All the way to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Oregon and Washington. I mean, how do you sell... These are the prices that I see when I'm riding around. You know, they have those stupid uh, A-frame signs out front. Mm-hmm. $40, $50 an ounce. Okay, that was what we got. Oh, that I'm actually totally in favor of that stuff. That's cheap weed for people who don't want to spend a lot of money. I think yeah, it's but, wonderful that people can get high for almost no money. No, it's last year's swaggy weed. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's usually no, You know what I mean? It's, I know. I mean, it might not even be last year's. Happy talk about no. There's some really good growers out what there. What I'm infuriated no, by aren't. is the fifty dollar eight that is trash. Like that's yeah. what I'm infuriated that's by. Like, I was just yeah, in, yeah. In, in Washington not too long I ago, and, and 
I tried a few and from some pretty reputable places and I just, I, I wouldn't pay money for those. I think a lot of it is storage. Yeah. Yeah. Packaging, yeah. packaging is, is a huge problem. Once you take yeah. something out of a large volume and you put it into a small volume and you put it into a glass jar, a which, jar. which we all want to believe is the best choice, but maybe isn't. Um, you know, and then it sits around for three months to four months to five months. It's lost its integrity. It doesn't Different. hold uh, well. Uh, here's, here's where I was surprised. And this, this just happened the last couple of weeks, basically. Uh, in Washington, for some reason, that well, okay, they do it differently. In Oregon, we have the glass jars, like you say. And so basically you go up to the to the uh, a dispensary, you go up to the bud tender, and you say, oh, I want some uh, a train wreck or whatever. And, you know, I want, a, I want an eighth or whatever. And they get their chopsticks or whatever, or their gloved hands or whatever, and they pull the, the nugs out for you and put it in a little bag or a little uh, a package. The and back. You know, the, Washington, it's all prepackaged. You can't smell it or see it. You yeah. can only see it in the, the packages. Uh, and uh, the the uh, uh, um, I got harvest window is incredibly fast. <laughs> like, actually, uh, I got, like, four like different, uh, yeah, basically one of those. like a little black pop top, tube, pop yeah. top. Some places have brew jars, but most places, because yeah. it's cheaper, just have the pop tops, basically. But uh, Washington, it's all just like kind of Ziploc baggies that I could see, basically. And almost everything was harvested harvested crazy soon, or crazy, uh, 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 not too long ago. Like, uh, uh, two things that I smoked were from May 3rd. I was like, I couldn't even do that. Like, I grew my own weed. I couldn't even have weed really ready to smoke by, from May 3rd. And I don't know how they did it, but yeah. So, so the, the thing with that is like, again, you're, you either have one side of the extreme or the other, and neither of them is good. People no. want it fresh. So they're putting it in the bag. They're flash drying it. You're losing all your terpenes because you're drying it too hot of heat with fucking wind on it. And you know, whatever, too many de dehumidifiers, all your volatile terpenoids are just, you know, disappearing into that air really fast. So by the time it gets into whatever packaging, it's already gone anyway. Um, or, you know, and, and not, or, but, and they're not curing it. They're taking it down, they're trimming it and they're selling it right away. Okay. Because everybody wants it fresh. So a cured weed, even in California, like we're, we have some apricot Sunday that's, you know, two and a half years old now and is still super dang. Nobody, there's no way I could sell that on the legal market. That is old weed. That can't be any good people. There's just a lack of consumer intelligence out there that is you know oh, it's nice. just it's just hype has been shoved down everybody's throat it's all about cookies it's all about wrapping it's all people about, don't think organic you know? can be for weed they don't even yeah. know about it mm. and and organic is dirty right oh my god you grow in soil that's the dirtiest weed ever i'm like oh because warehouses I've never in got that, is so <laughs> clean i mean give me a i'm gonna date myself but do you, do you anyone remember the movie uh the jerk Yes, that's yeah. one of my favorites. They like me. They really, really like me. You know, when they're sitting there at the uh, table ordering dinner, and he's... Bring me your freshest wine. Yeah, bring me fresh wine. We don't want that old stuff. Well, that's what reminds me of the cannabis. No, no, we want it fresh. No, you don't. I don't even begin to smoke my... Uh, when I'm given weed or I grow my own, it's six, seven, eight months minimum. In the no the jar thing you know uh, yeah. burping it and everything, six, I, and it's also a temperature thing too. Like well, I, yeah. I, I, Farmax listening, I I will I don't know the name of the terpene, but they're so volatile that they can start like like sixty eight degrees and up. Like they start like evaporating off that butt, and there there's certain layers to it. And I'm not oh, that yeah. like, specific, right? And I'm really high and tired. Hey, look, let's get on it. 
<laughs> the only thing that any of these girls give a shit about is bag appeal. They wouldn't know. You give them a stick, uh, some tie stick, and yeah, bring on your cookies and your uh, what is it, gorilla jism or group? Gorilla jism. Wow. I was I was gonna go grab my 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 tie. I uh, a friend of mine grabbed the tie, and it's beautiful. But it's got no bag appeal. That's a great. That's got a great name. Right. I, I just mean, have, that's no worse I have than uh, fuck. What was the, <laughs> what was the name that we were making fun of? Smashed uh, Coke Whore. Or, I mean, just the fucking horrible oh, names. Cokehead and Slut or something like oh, that. God. Yeah. Oh my god. How would you that's name not... something you made like that? Yeah. Did somebody actually do that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so there's like, like a a specific yeah. breeder on oh. Instagram that like all he does is prints like. Um, absurd fucking post for his strain names and shit. The um, you guys seen the packaging that the runs come runs people have? What's runs? No, <laughs> oh, it's like it's, uh, yeah, coochie coochie like runs, coochie runs, and it's a oh my god, I can't even. Oh, it's a new. I want to. I want to yeah. smoke Gary Payton. Hey, the real or the, or the yeah, happy <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're growing it this year. I heard it's good if it's grown right. I say that all the time too. If you take any of these strains <laughs> and put it in my system, you're gonna like the weed. But like, I, I've been organic for a long time. I've been growing shit going on 16 years now, and I started outdoors organically in the dirt. And when I went indoors, I was like, all right. Like, we'll try these bottles because that's what they were talking about. <laughs> there we this go. Is an, oh, shit. This is an eighth, this is an eighth of weed. This is the actual yeah. packaging. There we go. Cool. Nice ass. <laughs> right. What that tells <laughs> me is that the weed is garbage, actually. Doesn't that tell you that? Like, when, oh, when I see sure. something like that, it tells me that basically they spent all their effort on the packaging and none on the actual product. It, Are you folks near uh, Sonoma Valley? North of there? Okay, one of the best places, seriously, on the entire West Coast to get worm casting is Sonoma Valley Worm Farm. Yeah, I know of it. We make okay. our we have our own for the most part. Oh yeah, okay. But yeah, yeah. sometimes <laughs> when you don't have enough. But yeah, I mean, he's been got doing this for 25, 30 years. I, I think it's I think this is thirty or thirty one now. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I really believe is. that he sold the 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 guy who originally built the company. I believe that he he sold it to his a younger person uh, who's still sense. doing it though, doing yeah. it the same. I mean, he was, he was getting close to retirement when he set things up. So yeah. it does say he was a pilot there it is. Uh, for one of the big airlines. I don't remember which one. Oh, head slut. Stop it. If one dirt, I rise platinum seat. banana OG. Wow. Of course See, I thought coma was bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, the crack of my ass, man. I mean, what I like, do you mean? I like gorillagism. I'm good on that. That's a pretty yeah. good one. That's a pretty good <laughs> one. That's, that's solid. Fuck it. <laughs> that's your I mean, I'm growing the hype shit right now. I can't lie. Like, I have apple fritter, so. I do, too. Hey, <laughs> plants are good plants. We have hype. Yep. Have you hype. guys ever tried the... Uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, runs is good, too. You know, we can Marley, still make it fun is. of it, but it's Marley good. Mall. The, the runs, I think, is a very, um, it's a great weed for your average consumer. I don't think it's very good for the connoisseur. That's where I'm at. 
Um, I think it makes good extracts. Yeah, yeah. So does so does Grilligism. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand that whole whole mentality. Well, no, I don't want really strong weed. Then why then go do something else? I mean, I don't, don't, don't want to get too strong. high. And I'm really like, strong weed. Give me your weakest weed, please. You know, yeah, I want it like. <laughs> I want your space weed, okay? Yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't like know. Please put me in a coma with your weed. I know it's never going to happen, but you know, I'm. Oh, me either, man. You can try. You know what? This is a perfect opportunity to ask you. Uh, my friend said, "Uncomplicated, simple questions. What are your guys's three favorite uh, strains or flavors in cannabis?" Strain. Wait, that's two different questions. Good. Qu- okay, two different well, questions. What's your favorite or, flavors? Yeah. I love terpenaline. Terpenaline as it's not. I mean, it's not a flavor per se, but it's. Um, I really like the way that that terpene interplays and makes me feel. Um, I like, I like fruity ones and earthy. I feel like fuck. I like it all. That's so hard. That's such a hard question. I have way too many genetics. I was actually going to tell Clackamas that um, we're growing some. I I popped a bunch of seeds from my friend Nate who did a cross of the one with forbidden fruit. That's so we've cool. got a bunch of those seedlings going. I'm really excited about. That should actually be really nice, Coot. What do you think about that? Coot, do you know uh, Forbidden Fruit? It's uh, Cherry Pie by Tangy, I think. Really, really, really flavorful. Like, uh, you know, tropical fruit punch sometimes. If I was offered a million dollars, I couldn't tell you three strain names. Yay! Don't lie. Yay! That makes me so happy. I I bet he could. I think he's lying. He's lying. Oh, no, He's totally When the fuck came up with... Uh... Came up grillagism. I guarantee like six months I am, I mean my stream the one. I mean, yeah. Not because of what you think. Maybe... Maybe I'll do a cross. Was there a burning bush involved? or nothing to do with No. But... Your story about that that you did with I think it was Tad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so good. I, I I listened to that so many years ago, and I've been like ever since. I'm like, man, I really want to grow it just because the story is so rad. So I don't have the cut, but you know, I got the next best thing, which is somebody's breeding with it. So. <laughs> um. Yeah, I could do. We can work some out. I'll tell you the one you really want though is this new one. The gorilla just. Yeah. The TO, which is a Kandahar indica <laughs> with a tie stick. And then uh, the male was a, a one that uh, friends of mine grew in um, Hilo in 74, 75, so almost 50 years ago. And so basically, see, we weren't cool. We didn't know what we were doing, probably why we were successful. We didn't try to fix it. Well, you know, we just crossed it with Joe's, you know, it'll even be better. We just kind of said, all right, this is cool. And so this thing, when you look at it, there's all this diversity. So you really do have to go pheno hunting because there's short ones, there's tall ones, there's big ones, there's, uh, but I summed that I uh, showed a uh, few outdoors in 800 gallon pots of my mix uh, and lots of barley malt. Let's see what else. That's about it. 
you know, just barley and really good uh, worm castings, multi pounds, legitimate, not, you know, I mean, legitimate multi pound plants without all this bullshit. Just walk, keep them watered, you know. I mean, yeah. I hate to keep talking science, but it pisses me off when you look at what chlorophyll is. Okay. It's a molecule that has one, one fucking magnesium ion, one. <laughs> and it has four nitrogen. And then the rest is all, guess what? Hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. There you go. That was uh, like... A deceptive picture too, by the way, because you said that those poles are eight feet tall. Right. Yeah. I had this problem. I thought it was a four foot tall bush, but it was actually eight feet tall or more. Yeah. <laughs> but, gee. But it doesn't have a good name. Okay, let's call it some special. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Because uh, if that's an eight hundred gallon pot, Fumi, that's a big fucking plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, to give you an idea. Eight hundred gallons for this discussion is four cubic yards. That's a small child size bud. What's that? Okay, talk. No, it's a small child. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that I often measure a small now. child. Yeah. I'm like, smoking that give now. Me a half a small, is, small uh, child worth of soup. Well, should I say half a pig? It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I measure everything in pigs. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a piglet. <laughs> Give me a demi pig. Yeah. I've been watching, yo, before we, if anyone's down with Stranger Things, the new season, fire. That's what I remember. Yeah. I'm so far yeah, I'm so down with it. I watched it all in one day, basically. And then I was like, mm -hmm. fuck, there's an intermission for a month. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, all right. So Netflix does this thing all the time. So I'm waiting for Alice in Borderlands 2, like season two. And it's been like four years. Did they only have two seasons? They only had one. Oh, I have bad news for you. Either one or two seasons, they're never making another one. Yeah, it's not well, a Netflix yet. curse. Like, like, no matter how good it is, two seasons. They said that, but everyone thought that. But if you Google it, they've been releases and trailers now. So I think it's happening. I was going to say, I thought they filmed it, but I thought that was like, wasn't that a while ago? Yeah, they've been working on it. I don't know. They filled Maverick, the Top Gun sequel, like 20 years ago, it feels like, because they've been talking about that for like three years. And right. It just now it came out. Yeah. yeah. They're making a crazy amount of money on that, too. Holy shit. It's just like highest grossing. I don't fucking know. Probably not. Anyway. <clears throat> I, I think Tom Cruise, if Tom Cruise grew with weed, what, how would he grow? Oh, my I would God. Say like Athena. Uh, or with magic. On the with moon. Magic. With, yeah, he would grow with. He would grow with, uh, you know, Scientology magic yeah. for sure. He'd have a crew of people in there doing shit for him. Yeah, I, I, I think, think he'd have, 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 he have it on a space station. And uh, yeah, he's definitely growing space station. Yeah. for sure. <laughs> well, so maybe he's gonna grow inside of a volcano. Yeah. A space station that is actually on, like in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's not no, actually in space. Yeah, he's feed table, but though. exclusively made with like ground up diamonds or something. Yeah, yeah, and people who've disagreed with him. Right, exactly right. Yeah. We'll just start buying catalytic converters and putting platinum into our pots. There you go. I, 
I feel like if Tom Cruise was wearing Wade, he would definitely be like it would never really get done right, and it would just the, the strain would be called Mission Impossible, and the whole thing would be spun into like it was meant to be uh, this way. <laughs> you sure? I think it might be called Mon- Monster. <laughs> I think it might be called Monster in the Mountain. Yeah, there we go. I like that one. Totally. You know he's got people in chains and stuff. We better oh, stop, dude. People like <laughs> we're gonna get invaded by their house. Something. We're all online live, and then he disappears and right. starts screaming. Somebody call nine one one. I said that the other day. I was like, go to Clearwater, Florida, and even get close to the Scientology stuff. They'll follow you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, because they that want your money, like or they. You know, they want to I make want sure to you don't talk shit. I want to see. I want to go. Go yeah. there and just chief. Wait, is Florida legal to, to smoke weed now? Just go yeah. there and smoke. Just no. crazy. Well, a medical, medical card. Medical card. Medical card only, and it sounds like their cops are still pretty. Uh, Dang it. Hitting on people pretty hard. Yeah. Bullshit. That's uh, speaking of not bullshit, uh, where, where do you guys stand on um, that avocado? I don't know if the two things. Uh, definitely, avocados are, are very tasty. <laughs> They're wonderful in a sandwich. Uh, also, by the way, what the fuck? Like, how did the avocado sandwich become a hipster food? Like, I just, I want to say that for a second. Well, apparently it's a hipster food. And I'm just like, well, I thought it was. Oh, right off. Like, I've been eating avocado, uh, like avocado on toast with either butter or mayonnaise yeah. or something, some pepper and, and uh, salt and pepper and garlic. Fuck right Shit. off. That's delicious. Yeah, I've, I've been Shit. eating that for years. And Bro, supposedly it's hipster food or something. Now, I would now you put it. Because it started in California, that's where the. Oh, for sure. Majority avocados started. In I can attest I'm from Michigan. That's why I thought it was hipster food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, now you put a slab of thick, thick farm cut style bacon on that avocado. Yeah. Just, oh, Are you guys aware of the, the concept of snack bacon? Snack bacon. I have a friend of mine. Uh, her, she prefers Bird. to be called by the diva. Yep. Uh, she's come up with idea, uh, an idea called snack bacon, and I'm a, a real big fan. So you know how you make bacon. You know you're you're making. You know I'm, this is not a metaphor or not a, a euphemism. I'm actually talking about making bacon. Like you're making bacon for breakfast or something, and you make the bacon. And people are like you know come by and they snack on it or whatever. But then you have too little bacon. So what you do is you make two batches of bacon. And then you you have the batch of bacon for your you know breakfast and the, you know each person gets a couple slices whatever but then you also first ahead of time made a whole batch of bacon that you just put on a plate somewhere and if someone wants to steal it you're like no there's 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 snack bacon right there okay that seems like more work than what I do which is just put all the bacon on a baking sheet and put it in the fucking oven and all and comes out cook the same it. Time. it opens the bacon time. and makes and and good slow cook bacon and it's it flat. Flat. So it doesn't curl like it does. Exactly. Yep. With five kids, every food is snack bacon. Mm. There, there's no, yeah. like, yeah. Dude, what's yeah. for dinner? I'm like, just. Hey, so we had this thing. morning. You guys are in the epicenter of the California scene. Is there much demand for something even approaching? Let's just use the word sustainable. Let's not use the word organic because that's, you know, people get. In terms of weed yeah, we or food or what? No, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about for cannabis uh, production. There, there, there is actually, and there's a lot coming down that is, um, it's, it's picking up steam. We have a lot of certifications now, certification bodies like Sun and Earth, which are, you know, actively marketing and actively out there, like trying to get in people's faces that this is, you know, a better product. Um, we also have just being announced just through the comment period is the California um, Department of Food and Ag is releasing a massive grant for 
sustainable cannabis. Wow. So it's um it's, so we're we're gonna chase one of those grants with the help of a couple professors at Cal Poly Humboldt and uh, try and Great. do some actual research Great. studies on our farm next year, not this year, but um but yeah it it's you know I, for a minute there was there was a lot of like grumblings in the you know regenerative community about how people are trying to use this as a way to greenwash their companies. And while I feel that in one aspect, I also kind of am like, you know, the other thing is that there's a lot worse things that could be trending. I mean, if people are, you know, going to be more sustainable. Here's my response. Here's my response to the naysayer. Go do something important. (laughs) Let the adults take care of things. You guys sit here and do your little conspiracy theories and run around and cause problems for people. Look, right now it's a fucking mess, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, Arkansas—we're going to, excuse me, Alabama, the poorest state in the in the country, but we're going to set up marijuana farms and, excuse me, cannabis operations in in Alabama. I mean, are you kidding me, Mississippi? You know, the fucked up thing is, I kind of think like those states, the little ones—not little, but like less dense populated—is going to be the ones for cannabis. Was that switched? It has nothing to do with it. It's money. I just read today that just one one uh, caveat of the legalization bill, which I did not like here, for a number of reasons, because all it anyways written by the people that were going to benefit from the law. Number one, it wasn't like done in committees with people hammering out you know different opinions. It was like here's your law, pass it. Here's your money, but. Oregon passed in the last election or recently, how's that, last 18 months, that no longer are, if you're an uh, an addict to an opioid or uh, whatever, meth, whatever, whatever the, uh, I guess, you no longer be arrested. You're going to be given uh, treatment. Okay. So the cannabis industry, remember, we have less than 4 million people in this whole goddamn state, and half of those are under the age of, you know, 16 or something. $300 million. $300 million is what the cannabis industry has paid into this fund. And they passed this after they passed the bill. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have this other caveat we want to let you know. Because uh, uh, we have self tax here, but yeah, you go That's buy right. cannabis and you're paying close to twenty seven, twenty eight percent tax. The only thing you're taxed on is other than gasoline is yeah, that's basically cannabis. the only thing. Yep. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah, and what's amazing. the excuse? I guess uh, uh, tobacco yeah. has a tax, alcohol has a tax, gas has a tax. They call it some kind of a sin tax. You know? Nothing three hundred million dollars sin tax. Yep. No shit. Syntax, yeah. Right. Oh, you fucking sinners. You're going to burn in hell. Right? That's where that stuff comes from. It's bizarre Crazy. to think about this stuff. It's also bizarre to think about it. A friend of mine reminded me the other day, and I forgot all about this, that the origins of policing in the U.S. come from slave catching. And when you think yep. about that for a moment, you're like, oh, that kind of makes sense a bit. How <laughs> it's evolved the way it has, to be perfectly honest. You know, well, if it, you can it just evolve from librarians or something, we'd have different police forces, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, perfect. I want that. I want a police force. <laughs> a library police force. Yeah, yeah. False information, bad data, <laughs> misappropriation. Fees. Of data. You have fees. You're overdue fees. 
I think some places uh, are actually seeing it's not like for small matters, mental health, they're sending out like people that work with mental health instead of cops. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I want to see that. Like I want to see stuff like that. But if well, we, we went to know, like, like can't not have police, you know, like it would, it would like, it would just be crazy. Yeah. Well, we used to have in this, in our country, we used to have mental asylums mm-hmm. and hospitals. And while people were oh, abused we in them and there, there was, you know, atrocious shit that happened uh police had places to take people who were sick and had mental illness and there was a way to deal with that and get people on medication and that's gone it's it's been gone for a long time now um so that's you know one of the unfortunate things um we had a guy who was mentally unstable and got arrested for drunk in public and they put him out on the street at 3 a.m or 4 a.m whatever time it is yeah when they release you out on bail Yep. When they well, when they released yeah, the drum tag not on bail, um, and he went out still fucked up and ended up murdering somebody because oh, wow. they didn't. And he said, "Don't please don't put me out there. I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to go." And we're a small town. There's no like buses. You can't just hop on the bus and get to somewhere. He didn't have any money, and uh, yeah, he ended up killing a pastor. And it was like it was a gnarly oh, situation. It was really bad. And yeah. it was like, had they had somewhere to take him where they're like, you are not mentally sound. We will take you to the asylum. I mean, God knows what kind of shit could be avoided if we still had some kind of system to help these people. It wasn't just, sorry, you're on your own. Go fix it. Well, I think it's easy to see the way we policed in our country, the way it's set up. Like, if you look at, well, we just went to Barcelona in Spain, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, we went there for Spanibus. Uh, every fucking police car you can see. Aren't you uh, legally required to say Barcelona? Oh, Barcelona. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did uh, speak a little oh, bit of Spanish there. Um, but uh, yeah, you can see cop cars from uh, you know a mile away. There, they're they're reflective. You can, you know they they scream, "Hey, we'll help you." But yeah, I mean, no, they're also out to catch people doing yeah. fucked up shit. Don't they're get me wrong. They're also corrupt as fuck. And if they're, you're driving like around said, okay. in your rental car during Spanibus, they're probably going to pull you over at some point and totally fucking raid and look through all of your shit. And well, you shouldn't have been smoking weed. It's illegal there. No, no, no. They, well, Luna wasn't smoking weed when she got pulled over. Well, whatever. So, you know they're looking for weed. Yeah, um, they are. Point being, in our country, that the cops are not that at all. Cop cars are blacked right. out. It's all about trying to catch you, control you, and, right. you know, I would say it's not as pervasive over there, I guess. I would agree. Point. So. Except during Spanibus. Which <laughs> <laughs> is interesting because uh, they have such a different history than us. You know, they had an authoritarian government, basically a fascist government for most of the 20th century, right? And they still, to this day, have a king and everything else, a very different society over there. They don't have, you know, a, a bill of rights and everything else in Spain, right? So. It's very interesting that their whole concept of policing is so different. Than, and when you point that out, I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Like wherever I've been, I was like, you can see the cop cars from a fucking mile away. Whereas here you have to, oh, is that a cop? We're not really hundred percent sure. They're trying to blend in. So bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Um, you used a, fr- a term about an organization. And I just wanted to take that one step further for you because I went through this in a, over the past month. The term regen, okay, applies to at least, and I just stick around with it for a couple hours, and at least 200 organizations on this planet 
it is not limited to two or three even. I just want to point that out that there's another side to this story. I use it. And not the the scam artist. Yeah, yeah. Who haven't done a fucking thing in 22 years that I've been able to observe. And I study this stuff really closely about reclaiming farmland using uh, uh, mycoremediation of mycelium. You'll never hear that out of this crowd because they want to sell you something. They want to sell you uh, a tea bottle or or some bottle of shit that's 40 times more than it should cost. Bottled microbiology. Yeah, Uh, the information is, it should be open source. (laughs) It is. Look, you know, I've never made a dime, not a fucking dime, on helping somebody. I just say, look, here's go buy it here. You mean like at a grocery store? No, at a farm store. Go buy 50 pounds of it. It's been around for 3,000 years at least. It'll probably stick around for, you know, three or four years in your garage. Jesus Christ, man. That's that's one of the things we tell people all the time. Is find a feed store. Stop buying at weed stores. Weed stores mark everything. It's the same fucking product. And exactly. You're buying a the gallon of humic acid the, for 50 the, or, oh, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I realize I'm interrupting you, frankly, but the one place, the one thing that I've discovered that's good at the grocery store is actually uh, uh, trimming shears, like the chickamasas. Mm-hmm. They have them cheaper there than almost anywhere else. And uh, the little weird size smart, uh, smart pots, like the one and two and three and four gallons or whatever, uh, the, the smaller transplanters and stuff. You can only find them at grocery stores. Otherwise, I don't really go to the grocery store anymore. Sorry, back to you. There's a reason why you can only find those at grocery stores because people who grow plants on a mass scale. Don't, don't use those it. because they dry out too fucking fast. That's probably true. So, like, the only thing I go to a grocery store now for is my pots. Like, if I need a 20 or a 30 and I don't want to get it shipped. We, we do it for certain, certain amendments that we're not... A gallon know. of alcohol or, yeah. you know, oh, amendments yeah. from a feed store. So, potting soil or, for you know, seedling soil for starting seeds in when okay, we... Still got one, I got one for you. I needed some, you know, I'm kind of old. You know, I needed something <laughs> like wham, bang, thank you, ma'am. So I go to, um, <laughs> no, I go, I go to uh, concentrates and uh, they have this product, but I've never seen it in this pack because they, like everybody else, you redo your brand every two or three years, you know, a different label, different color combination, all that worse shit. So anyway, it's made by the largest uh, company in Canada, SunGrow Horticulture. Uh, they're bigger than all their competitors combined. They, what their retail product, which is horrible, is uh, black gold. But beyond that, they're, they're the big one to the nursery industry. And in Oregon, that's $2 billion a year. Forget, I'm not even talking about cannabis. I'm talking about growing all that crap that is at your local nursery or Home Depot or, you know. Just, landscape plants, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. So, okay, get this. It's not compressed, it's loose. 2.8 cubic feet, and it's sphagnum peat moss. It's going to sound real familiar to you. Sphagnum peat moss, some uh, perlite. Hey, I'd rather have pumice, but come on. Okay, uh, perlite, uh, some dolomite lime, 
Oh, and yucca extract is a wedding agent. $22 for 2.8 cubic feet, and it's loose. You dump it in, you add some worm casting, some rock dust, some kelp, yeah, you know, uh, some oyster shell or limestone, whatever the hell you Sounds familiar. Huh? Sounds like starting to sound a little bit more familiar. <laughs> and a shitload of barley. Yeah. I think you need like four. Yeah, yeah you, need, you need like five. Maybe times I can get some avocados and put them upside down and do the avocado tip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, let's let's, let's talk about avocado tech. What's your other one, uh Coot? Mangostine tech. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the one right there. What's I found that? it. I found it's kind of like avocado mangosteen. tech, but it's more expensive. You just oh, right. okay, yeah. on, yeah. oh, so you that's so it's better, dumb. right? It's oh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I mean extra good. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. No, it's really dang, man. Just dang to be dang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dang, 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 dang. dang so, uh, Smash has been joking with me that he grows this string called apple fritters. All right, and I thought it was funny. I think some of these names are outrageous, you know, but uh, um. So I happened to look at uh, the page of a, uh, uh, what do you call it, dispensary, recreational dispensary. And uh, sure enough, man, they had the uh, apple fritters, just bigger in Stuttgart, man, right there, you know. Uh, I don't know. I didn't look at the price. I can care. You know, I I haven't bought weed in... 45 years. And I'm really doubt that I'm going to start now. Okay. <laughs> Just so you can try it and see the Yeah, right. Like, well, I, so people are, you know, like, I know what shit we did. You know. Yeah, it's a great. Uh, yeah. Hey, they used to have Here my. You, go, some pre rolls. You want some pre rolls? I mean, that's your favorite right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Shop. Super dry. We got super dry pre-rolls. Oh, yeah, I love that that harsh on your throat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, it's not good unless your throat is super burned. Right, unless you're hacking away. Yeah, <laughs> that's the good stuff. That was my nickname <laughs> over at Grass City was Lumpy Dog. Nice. That's the name and, of my. Uh, okay. I, want, uh, I need more information. <laughs> we need more information. Yeah. <laughs> There's a story behind that. There's got to be. Well, I don't know. I. Oh, I proudly tell people I'm not a breeder. Don't want to be a breeder. Never was. No, they want to hear the story behind Lumpy Dog. Yeah. Oh, I. Oh, the, that was my dog. I had uh, a uh, Lumpy and Pistol. <laughs> uh, two yellow labs. They were a brace. What do they call a brace? A male and a female of the same litter. Don't ever do that, by the way. But uh, dumbass idea. But anyway, yeah. So uh, was the Lumpy was the male and. Uh, uh, Fisher was the uh, female. Why is it a bad idea? Did they not get along, or did they? Get no, it's just it, it, they, you know, getting a puppy from two different litters is much better than, you know, uh, the, the dynamics don't usually work yeah, out right. well. It's huh. not. It's not ideal. Gotcha. Yeah. Imagine if you had to live with your sister your entire life. That's true. Not going to go well. Oh my God, that's <laughs> what we're doing with our dogs. No. Yes, well, we have the two boys. I know, and it's not a good idea. I know. Yeah. He didn't need to hear this. It's too late. Wait, I Are think two males can form like males can form packs, though. I've noticed that. Yeah, a killing pack. They <laughs> they formed a fucking killing pack. Are you growing that cross that teal cross outdoors? 
Yeah. Wow. Really? Yep. <laughs> okay, you heard it here first. Oh, uh, in the ground? Yeah. Yeah? You guys are hardcore organic uh, terrorists, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a minimum, a minimum of seven. That was the best. When uh, one of the first times Coots on the show, he's like, he stops to think for a second. He's like, you know, at the heart of it, I'm an organic terrorist. <laughs> we just all fucking burst out laughing. <laughs> we're like, all right, we're on every watch list now. <laughs> that's, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Seven and a half elbows. Sweet. Uh, finished. You know, trimmed and bagged to peel and blah, 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 blah. You know. We'll save you some. It's a good like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the look at that face. So cool. Oh, straight memory right there. So I dedicated, I'm dedicating a five by five. To the Unpakalolo, Pakalolo one. Have you I'm seen a, the pictures at 32 Days that was posted this week? Not yet. Yeah, oh yeah. I've been looking. Is that outrageous? I feel like I can't wait. Cause... And I told them, you know, let's say you just took it 10 weeks. I think 12 to 14 is better, but, you know, hey, whatever blows your hair back. Um. Even like at ten weeks, that the size that they are right now, the buds, the flowers, that they would at least increase by two and a half and up to three and a half times the size they are right now. And the resin set is massive, so there's your weight. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Shit, I'll, I always go as long as I can. I don't know; it's just the thing I do. I like Thanks. my plants kind of dying on the stem. Like almost, not like fully dying, but like just about there. I need to uh, inform the guest that if the uh, the cross that you have, unless it dominates it, I've never been able to get the TO to even turn opaque, much less amber on the. Oh, good to know. Oh I think, wow! Yeah, I mean, never happened. Really? This is one of those cultivars Nick was talking about. Yeah, that yeah. never changes. Okay, Very cool. super good weeks. information. I, I took it eighteen weeks indoors. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit! Cloudy. It just kept getting. Oh, that's a good. Uh, I didn't even I'm click so until excited. just now. <laughs> Coot, they're probably on. talking about Nick Tanum. I think you're probably talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really great uh, uh, extraction guy, uh, Coot. He's, yeah. uh, I think he does basically every kind of extraction, but his specialty, I think, is solventless. Uh, he only does solventless. Does he's, he only do solventless? Yeah, he's he's solventless. He's um he's one of my um, colleagues and um, fellow teachers with the Gangier program. So I've learned <laughs> so much about extraction from him. When I first started doing this class, this program, I was like, I don't know anything about extraction. But after doing so much work with him, he he brings up every class. He always mentions that you know there are some strains out there they do not ever turn color those heads stay clear the whole time so it can be really great for extraction because you can still get that colorless look that's all the market hype but you can actually maintain some flavor and some other things going on in it that you miss if you're just harvesting early to get that clear yeah guys going for colorless ash don't harvest early want to take it 
at mature. And, and well, the, the irony is every single person I know that does solventless extraction, mm-hmm. when I've talked to them about like, well, what do you do for you? And what do you do for the market? Is it the same? They never do the same thing for the market as they do for themselves. They always harvest early for the market and they always take it to full ripeness when they're just making it for themselves because they know it's in general, except for maybe this one, um, they know it's going to have color and color doesn't sell on the, I almost said stupid market, on the consumer (laughs) that we have currently. It's the grocery store market on some level, you know, like you're selling your... High end hash, maybe it's the nicest hash in all the world. For I mean, it might be in some cases, right? We were talking about how how uh, famous. Well, James, you were talking about how famous humble uh, uh, weed and hashes and stuff. So you might literally have like the beluga caviar of hash, and it's sitting in a freaking fridge at Safeway. Basically, that's kind of the model that we have right now. And so, like some yeah, random customer walks ways. by it, and the, yeah, right. and it's only stocked. Like the best hash in the world is stocked at this one Safeway in. Albinaville, California, or some shit. I don't even know if that's a city, but you know what I mean? Like, how ridiculous is that model, right? Like, yeah. though, you'd normally have like a farmer's market thing and the best hash would be, I mean, I guess sometimes it's dropped in the fanciest store in the state, but a lot of times it's just dropped somewhere locally. But what anyway. Joe's. Go ahead, D. The Trader Joe's. That's it. Dude, I want the Trader Joe's of hash. That'd be great. They'd have like all kinds so, of like, fun stuff. The same people... It's kind of funny. The same people that line up for like eights are the ones that line up for hash drops. God. It's just, <laughs> it's just different. Just kind of like a different crap. The people that line up for hash drops. I have an idea for an article, and I'm going to title it The Day Irie Died. Okay? Because there's no Irie anymore. There's not this. What you have are cannabis consumers, not cannabis connoisseurs, or even enthusiasts. Well, but you have to have the one to have the other, don't you? Oh, no, no. No, okay. you can hold a line. You can hold a line and hold a standard, hold yourself and everyone to it. But and not everybody drinks wine that comes in a, bo- a bottle with a metal t- a lid. Well, okay. sure, but yeah, 90% yeah, of the, the wine, the 90% of the wine they drink in France is just table wine. They just go to their local winery and they literally go with like a, right. an empty glass and they just yeah, uh, or an empty bottle. Yeah, the thing started in the their 70s. table wine is exceptional. Like going to Italy, going to you know France, you yeah. don't need to order an expensive bottle. You order a liter or a half right. liter of the house wine, and it is like knocks your socks off. You hey, know, the it's like when cra- you use the wine yeah. crowd in Oregon is is bad. Is anything coming out of Napa, Sonoma, or even Riverside County? I mean, for Christ's sake. You know, you'd think up here that they were, because they won some big contest in France that got the whole thing, the, the whole Oregon thing started uh, on the Pinot Noir deal over in Yamhill and Washington County. It's a big, I mean, they're making some serious money. And they're shipping it to Europe. Okay. And then the really annoying ones are the organic. Uh, Akuna, are you saying that there is not good wine in Oregon? I'm saying there's wonderful wine. I'm oh, just okay. saying that the crowd that owns the wine, wineries just get off the cross. We might need the wood. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, they're super anti-weed. It's really bizarre. Well, there's been I know. Uh, cases uh, are, uh, of wineries suing cannabis farms. No, get this. They say that the cannabis farms, their, their aroma is blowing onto the grape mm-hmm. leaves. Or the grape plants or something. Oh my fucking, fucking god. Right? For <laughs> real? Like, 
no. motherfucker. We're probably making your weed, your your wine better with the terpenes. It's not happening, actually. There's no way that that's happening. But if it were, it's making it better. On a fucking scientific unless, level, unless I would love shit. for them to explain how that is altering the flavor of their wine. That's I, ridiculous. I mean, for real. The drought isn't causing problems sure. in the wine sector, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will. We were trying to talk about that a bit earlier, and uh, there's just no way to predict how how severe those kinds of problems are for wine, for everything else. Uh, speaking of terroir, actually, I was going to ask you guys, uh, what do you guys... Uh, what do you feel about it? Do you feel that organics uh, brings out terroir? Because we we were basically talking about how sort of that interaction with the microbes and the, interac- the interaction with the environment and everything else brings out the flavors. Do you think that terroir is a real thing? Do you think it's something to uh, uh, work towards? Did you, do you think it's something to really, uh, I don't know, put a feather in your cap? Well, terroir is everything, right? It's organic. not just the land. It's environment. It's everything. I mean, I think you know good microbes and good soil are definitely a huge key but where you're at in elevation those are all key components well and the the definition of terroir also includes the standards and practices of the farmer and that's a huge part of it um it's interesting in 2016 i think it was um i'm pretty sure that was the year the first year i ever entered the emerald cup and we put in Two cultivars, we put in an XJ13 and we put in um, Mango Kush. Mm. And out of 658 entries, both I placed in the top 10 or top oh. 20, pardon me. And um, and then I started looking years later because I was like, gosh, you know, what What did make ours? I only entered the two flowers. That was it. And I was just kind of curious at that point since I was, you know, out of the cannabis closet and everyone knew that I was growing or I at least signed my name to some governmental pieces of paper. I was like, fuck it. Let's actually enter and see what happens. And, um, you know, it's like, why, why did ours place so high? Like what exactly, like they were great cuts. They were or great cultivars. The XJ was from seed. Um, I was like, it was phenomenal. I loved them, but I loved everything we grew. So, uh, there were like five or six other XJ 13, entries in that same year so i was like ah this is really cool like something different does happen on our farm there's no other way it's not like i grew it so phenomenally better than some of these other people that are really really great farmers so what is the difference and i think it does come down to terroir i also think you know there's a bit of hippie dippy in me that believes in the woo and says that you know people come out to our farm and they're like it just feels different out here you know it feels like you know, just somewhere that I, it's peaceful and it's beautiful. And it's not because it's peaceful and beautiful, but there's a feeling to this place. And um, I think that feeds through. I think cannabis holds a special relationship with the farmer. I think tomatoes do too. I think any plant that you grow and actually put your love into, I do feel like you can actually taste it better. Um, oh, hey, look at that. Oh, that's mine. That's it. Oh, yeah. that's it. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Very Super cool. famous on yeah. seedfinder.eu, XJ13. XJ13 is a cup-winning variety and won the 18th place at the Emerald Cup in 2016 in the category Outdoor, submitted by Sunnibus. And by crazy. the way, it's uh, G13 by Jack there. Herrera. Yep. Great, great cultivars. Still one of my favorites. Hey, but, uh, can you see if mine's on here? See if yours is on here? I think it is, Coot. Hold on, let me I see. I think it, it is. I think it's unknown, but let's take a look. <laughs> Which of the uh, gifties? You're yeah, talking about the grillages, right? <laughs> That's the one we're looking at. What's that? 
The gorillagism? That's gorillagism is uh, <laughs> in the in their galaxy, probably in the. Uh, oh, God. We're gonna have they to. say it's unknown origin. Bullshit. There's no unknown origin. Oh, and they have the cross wrong. Look at this. The one they have it as blueberry sativa by Killer Queen by NYCD. There's nothing about this that's correct, except when you go back to the <laughs> Afghan Hawaii, right? And that, there's that's not even nothing right. about this that's correct. That's awesome. Right? <laughs> I did it. I did it. It's completely wrong. I know. I'll that's amazing. It. You flew so much under the radar, you don't even exist. <laughs> Let's see if any of these other but crosses, maybe. Let me just say one thing. The person that gave me the most Oh, Blue Orca. They have you as, oh, sorry to interrupt you, Coot. They do have Blue Orca. You've actually said before that Blue Orca is like the alternate name. Look what I found. Back to you. I'll go back to you, Spash. Yeah, try that one. What's that say? That's Leafly. it. Leafly got it right. Oh, that one. That one's accurate, at least. Yeah. And it had your name. You should call yeah. him. What's that guy? Fuck, hey, man, don't give him any ideas. His name's on my website, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> here they have the Blue Orca, but they don't have Coot uh, on here. It's annoying. The, the book that really inspired me and still does to this day is. Uh, the One Straw Revolution. Ah, it's my favorite book. Oh, <laughs> they have that on their website. In Ashland. And the man who did the uh, translation on his three books, I got a, he passed away here a couple of years ago. But um, very first, very first uh, book on our reading list. Right there. Oh, anytime anybody asks me about how to like start being regenerative, I'm like, go read this book. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great book. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Coot. I totally interrupted you. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I was, I was reading your list. Wonderful. Um, you see, I, I have a good title for a book, and it would be uh, The Path of Benign Neglect. Yes. And, oh, my God. I, I love it. That's... I think that's really the key to. That's so good. I, I pick a word. I don't care. Sustainable. Uh, is organic, uh, natural. God, that one's loaded. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of, it's like, a, think of it like a, a, an old uh, wagon wheel from the 1800s. There's a lot of ways to get to the center. And so yeah. it doesn't have to be, my bottle of swill is groovier than your bottle of swill. Okay. Um, I think the greatest thing that, that we as, as organic, use that word, producers, whatever it is, whether you're growing mint or tomatoes or cannabis, is that every plant creates a relationship with the humans that tend to it. And if your heart's in it, you're going to have better weed. So the problem isn't, my view, isn't that we don't have good producers. What we have are lousy consumers. Okay. So, and with the drop of revenue, I don't know what it like is in your area, but it's dropped horribly. I mean, like well over half. 
Oh, yeah. We're, we're on par for Oregon prices. Yeah. This look like your weed. But, oh, no, their picture sucks. Who's that? Uh, a dispensary. I don't think that's T.O. No, Tio's more silvery every time I've no. seen it. Um, that's fine. You know, I never. There are times I wish I'd never posted that stupid thing over at the IC Mag. They had a, a social board in the organic soil section. And I made a joke one night, you know, about, yeah, it's called the one. And then it just became this thing that grew, and I just never understood it. You know, it's just a plant. I mean, get over yourself. Yeah, but whatever. That's like that's like when people come and they say, "Well, what was the first strain you ever smoked?" I'm like, "We called it weed." Yeah, right. <laughs> so that's it. I actually, I my entire weed smoking career until like the last few years. Anytime oh, someone gave me weed, like when I would buy weed on the black market, they would try to tell me what it was. I would make them feel bad about themselves. Like I would totally like <laughs> give them shit about it. Like I don't give a fuck what it's all. Fuck up, motherfuckers! This weed, man. Yeah, so, so I, I kind of did myself. A you see, the name game didn't start in like that. 1980, 1981. Before that time, if you had seeds that came from, say, uh, Oaxaca, then you were growing Oaxacan, and you didn't tell it like unless you're an idiot out here in Riverside County. But gee, that's kind of stupid. Uh, or you know, we're growing it in Laguna. You kept your mouth shut. Yeah, and so that's the only main thing. And then it came out of California. Started, you know, with the Arcata. This I pronounce it city, uh, but anyway, you know. And then in Oregon, it's there's an area of Portland called Selwood, and there was the Selwood Slammer uh, dog shit, which was, as things turned out, was correctly named. Oh yeah. Um, I guess really they were joking. Bad. No, it, it literally smells like dog shit. Yeah. I don't know who screwed that one up, but see, we didn't know enough. I feel like that's one of those ones where people get exactly what they're expecting. You know, when you, when you buy dog shit and it smells like dog shit, I feel like that's, I mean, yeah, I don't think anyone's being misled there. It'd have to be some dankity dank to uh, reference black there. There's this thing called purple dog shit. (laughs) Spread that around. I like it. Oh, uh, definitely. Got it. definitely will. It's actually going on my straight name list. What's that one called? Us, oh, the dang it, dang. That's funny. Strawberry dog shit. <laughs> Strawberry cop. <laughs> yes. okay. Jesus. Now that you saw what they did to the one, do you have any faith on these other ones? No. Oh, in terms of the names? Well, what, in terms of anything? They said it was. <laughs> I, I always try to remember to say on the show, and I usually forget because we're high here, we're smoking, you know, freaking weed, right? Uh, but yeah. I try to remember, like, all right, this stuff is basically somebody's best guess, you know? And and we were looking at it like that, the T.O., what was it? Uh, so when I look up the one, hey, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, I've heard of the one, you know, who talks about that unknown or legendary? Yeah, yeah, that's probably what it is. So they look this up and they look up, <laughs> what? Bluebird, what the fuck but you know someone would take that seriously and they'd say okay there's c99 and g13 and whatever else and no there's none of that you know there's a little bit of hawaiian oh no there's there's afghan but no hawaiian let's see what this swami you're a big fan of this guy of course i say ironically Um, 
You know what? Actually, he's got the the well. Here he calls it, uh, yeah, Afghani by tie stick. That's basically right. Well, so at least you're you're your absolute best buddy. Coot is not a big fan of uh, Swami Organic Seeds, but at least the cross name is correct. Yep, Afghani by tie. Yeah, the blue orca is correct, but they don't say it's from you. They just say it's Afghani by tie stick. Another talkish. Yep. Well. You know, <laughs> hey. Talks cheap. Yep. Yeah. Names, <laughs> names don't mean a thing to me. You know, it's that bring me the weed. You know, that's that's I don't care about the name. The name is meaningless. It's it means nothing. If I showed you something that you liked and I called it Bohemian Rhapsody, and the next time you had bad weed and somebody says, Oh yes, Bohemian Rhapsody, does that make it bad? No, it makes that guy an idiot grower or he Needs to get a better uh, source to buy from dispensary, or you know, I don't know. I usually don't like. like I'm that's, just giving that's people. It's been my whole thing from day one, starting about nineteen what no two thousand two or whatever. Grow your own. You want good weed? Grow your own. You want good tomatoes? Grow your own. Yeah. You want good corn? Yeah. Grow your own. You want good eggs? Get your chickens. You know. Coot, you bring up something I was thinking about earlier because I feel like that there's a disconnect between uh, the commercial side of cannabis and the uh, non-commercial side of cannabis. Culture. That way. Cannabis culture, culture culturally. versus cannabis yeah. industry. Yeah. And that, yeah. Uh, I think, I honestly, That's still what extends I to... There's no IRI left anymore. It's just this business model filled with people that I find really abhorrent uh, because of their view and what they've done to this plant. They just turned it into another bottle of Coca-Cola. You know, it's just something that's it's manufactured. It has had this look, you know. And if you know anything about weed and you and you go into a dispensary, well, they got rid of these during the pandemic, but the glass uh, cookie jars where you lifted the lid and you smelled. And I mean, more than once I said, would this guy get the wrong cut? I mean, you can't possibly grow something and know what you're doing and produce this. And why do you as a retailer even offer this shit to the public? Because you know you're going to sell. Get the price low enough, and they now they have. It may be shit. I'm not even going to argue that. Let's say it is shit. But I see more of that than I do. Hey, come on in, man. We got the kind. Could this uh, conference apparently just happened right here. This was the uh, Regenerative Cannabis Live Conference uh, for Sustainable Development by and for the cannabis and hemp industry, they say. Mm. There's a loss. Oh, as in, in partnership with Hawthorne, right? I can't bother. We're, we're, we're big fans of them. Take a look at these gentlemen here. I'm curious how many of these people actually smoke weed. I'm sure some of these people how many are aware cocaine. of the concept of weed. Yeah, cocaine in abundance. This guy, I think he's carrying a fair amount on him. Uh, that guy right there, he was born in a pile of cocaine. Uh, that guy right there, his middle name is cocaine. Uh, yeah. But anyway, like how many of these people, this guy might smoke weed. I don't know. He just looks weird enough. Maybe there might be a couple of trains smoke, and but... weed. There's probably a couple of these people that smoke, but the rest of them are basically suits. Yeah. And that's where the Wolf of Wall Street joke go. Everyone got that. We're it's back to that, that term yeah. that, that conference had. That's why I'm James to really 
focus on there are organizations in Europe, in Canada, United States, South America, Asia, that, that term is like saying casserole or sandwich. So nobody represents the regen movement at all. Are, these guys are not those people. You're, you're talking to somebody else. These guys, actually, this is what they call their conference. They call it the Organic Cultivator Supernatural Conference. It's a hilarious name, by the way. Yeah, well, uh, the first conference we were actually going to do in Salem. And uh, it was going to be, it's kind of a play on words, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, we are going to do it in Salem and uh, kind of have a lot of fun with it. But then it kind of grew too large for the venue that we have there. And then uh, COVID restrictions got kind of crazy around Boston. So we moved it to Sturbridge and actually ended up being fucking amazing. The place that we had that was really cool. So, um, in Salem, Oregon. Sorry. Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Salem, which yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were, can you imagine uh, we were your doing... city is known for like two, three hundred years for burning witches? Like, can you imagine how embarrassing that would be? Hey, hey man, they celebrate it still. It. Yeah, they're all about it. That's why we were going to so, like That's true, I guess. Yeah, in Salem, Mass, they have, like, uh, towards the Halloween season, it's pretty creepy around there. Yeah, we were going to say... And there's a uh, Satan, Satan-worshipping place. <laughs> uh, initially, it was going to be right where they had the Boston Tea Party, was where uh, we were going to have the conference mm. before it got moved. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild down there. It's fun over Boston. here, but our loss sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting out there for sure. And Boston might be the dirtiest city I've ever stepped foot into. Uh, I've never been to New York, so you know. Smash, you were joking about the Red Bull fluke talk or whatever is going to have, uh, or one of the Red Bull days is going to have people diving into the Chesapeake Bay or whatever. Yeah, and you and Charlie Spar like just burst out laughing, Boston Harbor, because you were like, "It's just." Fucking he said crazy. it was cleaner now, but still. <laughs> hey, James, what does that mean? You want to see real shit? Go to Philly. Oh, I've, yeah. I've been through Philly. Philly has some of the wor- worst. This goes, this looks like. I'd argue New Jersey. Well, well I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm from Michigan. I've been in Detroit. I've been in Flint. Okay. I've been in fucking cities that look like an Iraq, you know, war zone. Um, but yeah, it was, just, <laughs> you know. In downtown Boston, where we ate at like a super nice restaurant, there was just like garbage out on the fucking street, which was pretty interesting. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I've noticed too, like, because we've been across the country a whole lot, that the places that have the word, like, um, some states do an amazing job cleaning up like the highway. Um, and other states, like the desert states, they don't give a fuck. There's fucking garbage it's everywhere. Like, away, it's too man. fucking hot out here. We yeah. can't have people out here cleaning shit up. Yeah. <clears throat> and if it, one of the fastest growing cities in the United States is uh, Phoenix. And, you know, Phoenix sounds really good when it's December and you're at home. In I had a friend who moved yeah. there in high school. He told me he had to run to school, or like run to the car for school because his shoes would melt if he just walked slowly. Fuck, I'm going there in a couple weeks. <laughs> That's not good. Bring bring eggs. I guess you could fry them on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, we get hungry, you can just throw them on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you can hit 115 in August without even... Oh, it's bonkers. Being, 
if, if you're in that valley. Do you remember when I, um, when I was a kid? I don't know about what well, could you probably had cars like this uh, 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 in the 1970s and 80s. All the cars, probably in the 60s too, they had basically vinyl seating. And you'd, yes. you'd be out in California. Like I remember like the, the days when like my parents would take me to Disneyland, for example, were some of the worst. Cause then we'd get back to the car and somehow the car had just built up all the yeah. heat from right. the day. So we would come back, we're all fucking exhausted. It's you know the 8 30, 9 o'clock or whatever. And the car is just like 150 degrees. Every single surface is painful to touch. And then you, you sit on the vinyl and like just you're stuck in to shorts. it. Like, in shorts, that's right. And of course, it was yeah. the eighties. So it's all like short, short, and then yeah, they yeah, yeah. stick to them. That's yeah. it. That's it. Sunburn on that vinyl, and it's a hundred and fifty degree vinyl. Yeah, like it's amazing, and your parents don't want to fucking hear it. The things Just that people don't up, realize, they didn't miss from the past. People are always like, "Oh, the music from the past is better." It's like, dude, you forgot all the shitty music that was released back then too. You only have the good music uh, now. Same thing. Like you only have the good stuff from back then, not the shitty. 150 degree vinyl seats on you. Sure, but to go back and like see Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and the Doors and Cream True. and all that, like I, you know, it's uh, there's something to be said for those bands playing live. You know, my favorite though was, and it still gets brought up. It was well known that Joe Cocker uh, had real serious issues with alcohol and other. Uh, agents, we'll say. <laughs> agents. This was at the uh, the forum, which was a uh, sports arena. Yep. Uh, basketball, hockey, music venue. Yep. Music venue. Yeah, right, right. You get the yep. idea. It was like a really classy in its day. Super famous place. Yeah. Yep. So. We get tickets, and this is really exciting because you know he. This is like maybe five years after he did uh, Woodstock, and he comes out on stage and he stumbles from the side and over to the microphone and he grabs the mic in two positions. You know, one his hands up on the top, and the other one's in the middle, and then he just moves it to the side. And he just starts vomiting. And so <laughs> <laughs> the roadies or whatever they are get out there and clean up the vomit. And then Joe Cocker waves to the audience and walks off the stage, and that was it. That was like that was the whole fucking performance. <laughs> well, at least uh, he knew when to call it quits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, wasn't okay, this, this song this here? Gonna tonight, you know, kind of wasn't this song in Agata Davida? Was uh, so I heard the story basically years ago that these guys were so fucking stoned that yep. the song is in the Garden of Eden. But there's yes, like, wrong. Oh, they Davida. were so yeah. fucked up. They recorded <laughs> yeah. it like that, and yep, and it's okay. And the drummer that cool. did that fantastic. Uh, that was uh, what, what do you call it? Um, on the fly. Hmm. It, and and he never did anything after that. It's like you would think after that solo that he would have become like the the whatever of the American Drummers Association. Just mic drop. That was it. That's funny. So uh, everybody had that goddamn four track tape. Four track, mm -hmm. brother. I mean, you think? Oh yeah. 
Two sides, A and B. So that's literally four songs? No. No, you had, it was called four track. I don't know. An eight track, you had, so, okay, with a four track, you had two sides, just like an album, A and B. Okay. And then an eight track tape had four. There you go. Oh, so okay. It had like six songs, ten, seven, seven, eight songs. Well, it had an album. Just like, yeah, I mean, you got the whole album on the on the. That's how track. long that fucking thing is? Huh. I thought eight tracks were big. Wow! Right. That's. I was thinking it was folded in half. No, that's just one big tape. No, right. that's a cassette. Wow! That's crazy. God, that is nuts. It's amazing how technology has changed in just such a short time. Oh, jeez. Exponentially, and it ain't slowing down. Yeah. Some stuff is still useful. You know, the old uh, old tube amps and stuff, you can still use them, and arguably some of those are... People will will argue that they're uh, better than the new digital amps and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, 8-track tapes and stuff versus, I don't know, CDs or lossless... uh, uh, was it flack or whatever these days? Anyway, there's, there's, I don't know. It's hard to compare them. Well, I know but, that's the movement back to vinyl is apparently that mono sound is a much better sound than the digital that we have today. I can't know, I think, I think speak people, to that, but that's the I idea. I think people it. talk about it as like this more organic sound. And I, I think I finally Sounds found more this alive. kind of, yeah, I think I found this kind of a, a, a good metaphor, at least for me anyway. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, I'm trying to Google something, but I don't know if I'll be able to find a search term for it. I guess I'll just describe it. Uh, today's digital cameras, so I guess the metaphor I'll use is photographic. Today's cameras are extremely good. Like the digital cameras of like 15 years ago weren't that good. They were five megapixels, whatever. They, I mean, you were lucky to get that good of a shot. But now you get these cameras that are like 30, 40, 50, 100 megapixels. Movie cameras. You have a movie camera they in have your hand. Movie, they have literally 4K, sometimes 8K cinema, 6K, on and on and on. That's beautiful. It's literally Hollywood quality. Like all the movies that you've seen from uh, the Batman, all these different things. Uh, 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 basically, any of the big blockbusters in the last 10 years have been shot with an Ari Alexa that just not even quite barely gets to 4K. So if you have a 4K camera, you can get that on an iPhone. You can get that on a fucking uh, Google yeah. or a Samsung uh, uh, a phone. You can get that on a GoPro. GoPro. Get that on any, yeah, any number of goddamn cameras. They have web cameras that are 4K. Uh, you have basically the same resolution anyway as Hollywood does, basically. Um, where was I going to with that? There was a whole point to that, and I completely forgot it. Something to do with amazingness and awesomeness and weed. Uh, that's weed. That's weed. Dang it. Well, at least I got to almost 11 o'clock before losing my train of thought today. I was trying to... uh, See, we like to imbibe of the cannabis, uh, uh, James. This is one of those shows where we don't shy away from actually enjoying the weed. I've been smoking the whole time, bud. I know. You're among good friends. That's it, man. That's it. That's the good stuff. Yeah, at some point, Um, we'll have to get together and actually share a joint. So I got a couple pretty funny... Well, first one's a funny article. Mariah Carey gets hit with a twenty million dollar lawsuit over "All I Want for Christmas." Oh yeah, that dude—that's a money grab. Uh, the the melody's not the same. The words are the same. That "All I Want for Christmas is You," but the melody is like totally different. Yeah, so, and that's probably public domain at this point. That song. She makes like sixty million dollars right. a year. They said from that fucking song. It's her most lucrative song. 
because they basically play it on repeat at every like shopping mall or yeah. those things. So sure, apparently but, she uh, makes sixty million a year. No, 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 no. She makes she has made sixty million dollars on that song. I'm sorry, it's not sixty wow. million a year, but That's she's crazy. made sixty million on it. It's fucking nuts on a stupid song. So in a good uh, article, great timing and supercomputer upgrade leads to successful forecast of volcano eruption. Nice. Psych.org. That's convenient. Pretty cool. Right? There was something that I was thinking about. it. Oh, I was going to talk about this since uh, Kud is on here and it's convenient for... um, you know, this is now. This is the later part of the show. You know, this is the part of the show where we're all a bit stoned and everything else. Oh, sorry, I'm so real I, I'm curious. This probably has nothing to do with you, James, and and Wendy, but maybe you'll find it interesting anyway. So this is the abstract, basically. But basically, it says catalytic catalytic synthesis of polyribonucleic acid on prebiotic rock glasses. Long story short. Uh, they discovered RNA, which is one of the building blocks of life, kind of like DNA. Uh, it naturally forms on basalt glass, basically. As basalt is forming, essentially from like volcanic uh, uh, eruptions and so on, these uh, 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 ribonucleic acid chains spontaneously form on it. So this is basically this kind of like, it shows this kind of geological uh, pretext to life. And, you know, potentially also anywhere there's, you know, melted basalt, maybe there's RNA. Yeah, well, I mean, they've always thought that amino acids were, you know, the precursor to complex proteins. Hmm. They had to form somehow. That's super interesting. Hey, did you bust all your reading glasses? Just that. Yeah. It's going to happen. (laughs) There's nothing embarrassing about reading glasses. No, she just, I wear glasses. She fucking likes to lick her finger and <laughs> fuck them up. So she's got glasses on now. Is, is that like a wet willy for your glasses or something? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's <laughs> smear for sure. His glasses are so scratched and messed up. Oh, like, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I am not, I'm not doing it any disservice by licking on it. You can't even tell. Oh, I'm oh a we just sure. went right, right into psychopaths, huh? They like people's glasses. <laughs> what? Oh, no. Pretty interesting article, though. I just Glass to... liquors, every one what of them. What was the uh, exactly right? That's exactly the connection. What was the <laughs> common or different element of whatever smashed? Uh, I think it's. Hey, back I'll to the Yolanda thing for a minute. Extra toe. No, it's it's, it's like show. something in their brain. It's a it, it's obviously something in their brain's a little bit different than every like uh pretty interesting because like I don't know, I watch all the TED talks and stuff about everything. I wonder though if how many people have that precursor that are psychopaths, but you know, don't kill people. Mm. Like I was going to yeah. go, don't kill kittens. That's a lot of words. Yeah. There was a story the other day, actually, about how uh, treatment for uh, dark triad uh, tendencies, so like psychopathy, narcissism, and so on, involved, actually effective treatment involved uh, adopting a pet, uh, doing acts of altruism, uh, doing things like uh, uh, giving money, like philanthropically. Uh, these were all things that those folks wouldn't naturally do, but the practice of them apparently helped them uh, uh, to actually overcome those dark dark triad traits. It's kind of interesting. Interesting. So dog or cat. On the forebrain was 10% bigger psychopaths from the controlled group. 
Yeah, let's try adding fries. Do a scan, but I think it's kind of crazy. Where like I just wanted to like bring it up because like the where technology is getting to, it's becoming insane. So. So looking at the striatum, it's the critical component of the motor and reward systems. Yeah, so your dopamine, for sure. You get higher dopamine hits. Serves as the primary input to the rest of the basal basal ganglia. Interesting. Everyone's favorite, ganglia. Ganglia. It's the best one. Trainer saying about uh, baby got that basal, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's, what's your favorite cover crops? That's a good question, Smash. Our favorite cover crops, all of them. <laughs> uh, last year we had a lot of purslane. Um, yeah, we're right. actually. I I like a lot of the things that just come wild. Like there, we have a mallow that's kind of fun, except for it actually will get as big as the weed plants. <laughs> it's kind of a pain in the Pretty ass. Um, I have calendula, which is nice because it reseeds. But then this year we actually are doing a living mulch in one of the gardens. Um, so utilizing a cover crop that's growing at the same time as our, as our cash crop, which is more of a mm. companion plant. Uh, but it's also being utilized as a cover crop because it's covering our soil. Yeah, for sure. Um, We're just getting into all the freaking nomenclature oh, yeah. people argue about. It's the same fucking same. thing. It's plants in the ground. We like diverse plants. you know. And so that we're doing, we have three different... Um, types of purslane. There is dichondra. There is a uh, Corsican mint, which I haven't actually put in yet. I'm going to start it separate and kind of watch it for a minute because I'm just not entirely, not entirely sure about it. Um, there is uh, some different colors of alyssum. Uh, Irish moss is in that mix. I just, I made it myself, basically. I was like, I want this one and that one, and I want this one and that one, and this one makes pretty flowers, and this one makes pretty flowers at a different time, and they all are really short, so this is going to work great. And we plant lots of different flowers around the farm and have, you know, different vegetables, and definitely try to focus on keeping as much diversity as possible. I like food and weed together, like not segregated. So a couple of years ago, I had um, cucumbers and watermelons growing throughout, which is not the best idea. And even as I was doing it, I was like, this is a bad idea. Like people shouldn't do this because a vining thing will twine up and it, it gets a little messy. But it was still, I, I find a lot of joy in things that don't really necessarily make the ma- most sense, you know, economically or efficiency wise. And I still love it because it makes me happy. <laughs> If you grow the medium size uh, sunflower plants, they give you a really nice stock that allows for uh, climbing plants. And anyway, it's interesting. Yeah, there's also the big thing is that the exudes that the sunflower plant gives off into the root zone, there's a whole beneficial thing going on there too. So. Yeah, there's, there's like, always sunflowers uh, in the sun garden sunflower. And there's, some, back, yeah. yep, there's sunflowers out here. And yeah, the Love stalks sunflowers. are uh massive. They're still there a year later, and you can probably kill somebody with them. The mammoth, the mammoth sunflowers. Mm-hmm. Used in uh, thermal composting because you build a like a raft and use that as a base, and then you okay. start doing your carbon nitrogen thing. Nice. And 
it will because it's mostly lignin. Yeah, it's uh, not going to be subjected to the activity of the bacteria. So you get three or four years before finally there's enough fungi in the uh, in the process. But you get the idea. So it has a benefit from using the stalks, removing them while they're green, and then trim them down, and then uh, let them dry, and then uh, use them to do things like that. Clack, have you done any Johnson Sioux composting? No, I'm sorry. I'm not familiar. No? Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's you're more familiar with it, but it's a method with uh, a big pile. I think they usually put it in a tub and it has tubes it's, that go it's down actually, into it. It's done vertically. Yeah. Um, and it's done with, yeah, with tubes that go down to aerate it, basically. And okay. one tube that goes down the middle. Uh, the idea being that you're controlling the temperature of the pile without having to turn it. So it's more of a, sure. it's it's sure. not, I don't know if it's thermophilic, I believe it is thermophilic still, but it's less so than like your standard 160 well, for 60. Sounds for like, uh, to use a, uh, an old term, uh, cold composting. Now, the idea of therm thermophilic composting Static. is more to do with Static. the uh, filling pathogens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, farm like you have, where you have control on the plant materials, you're not going to use disease, you know, the whole nine yards. I'm a big proponent of cold composting over thermophilic because the highest you're going to go on thermophilic is what, 141, 142? You can't even fry an egg at 141. So this myth that Taking it up to 42 is going to really do something. No, it kills pathogens. I think it just kills, yeah, it just kills salmonella and stuff. That's about it. That's it. Yeah. I'm yeah, not saying I've, it is a worthy, uh, worthy uh, goal. That's not my point. What I am saying, though, in a situation like you have, which is a microcosm where the entire farm is an ecosystem, you can be more selective about how you want to use your plant materials and heating them up isn't always the best idea because you're going to kill all the terpenes and terpenoids and ketones that the plant brought to the party because they're just hydrocarbons. They're going to, they're gone by the time you hit 120, you go up to 141 and they're, you know, TD, 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 you know. The other benefit of uh, the mesophilic composting is that because it's not getting hot, you're allowing the larger soil life Part right. of the soil food web to come in there and eat that stuff and add their matter to it and right. yeah I'm a big fan we 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 can never get a compost pile big enough to to get it hot enough to do thermophilic anyway. <laughs> well, I see the need at a commercial level, and would argue that that's a good idea, but your situation is unique because you give a shit about what you're using in your soil. Therefore, your plant, you know, the whole nine, it's, it's a, uh, it's the approach. It's about the approach and not the uh, materials per se. Cool. you're always talking about exudes. Do you think that the, the variety of exudates from the variety of plants potentially contributes, I guess this is a question really for James and, and, and Wendy, uh, do you think that the variety of uh, exudates in the soil contribute to a, a, a different, let's call it that way, instead of better or worse, but a different flavor in your cannabis, potentially even a richer flavor? 
I would say that more diversity in your soil food web is always going to add to more diversity in your terpene and flavonoid pro profiles in your food and medicine across the board. Um, and that translates to fodder that you're feeding your animals, making better meat, the, the whole nine yards. Um, I think that, you know, having, you know, what you, what you do on your own farm and in your own situation is going to vary greatly dependent on the crop that you have and your terroir and what your situation is. I think the more green plants that you can have in your system, providing exudates, different sets of them because each plant requires different nutrients at different times in its life. So they're all producing different levels of exudates at different times. And I think that they also help each other. I, right. And they, you know, plants that are having trouble getting things for themselves can get things from other plants through that mycorrhizal network. So I think it's beneficial across the board to have all that um, yes. as much diversity as possible. That's why a lot, not, I don't know, phrase it that way. That's why there's a school of thought that using legumes, um, and especially uh, the bean plants, metals, because of not, not only their nitrogen fixing uh, capabilities, but, uh, but the amount that they contribute to the, the soil, humus, and the construct. It's my understanding that. Um, the more roots you have on a soil, the less water because roots will hold the water so there's less uh, evaporation. That's the biggest cause of your loss of water in most farms is uh, uh, evaporation, not that the plants are really thirsty, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you know what I'm saying. So, um, but I think we could agree on this, that the whole approach in the, in, the, in the commercial cannabis is a race to the bottom in terms of quality, yeah. in terms, it's all about the look, style over substance. Um, it's it's kind of sad, but uh, I thought it was going to get better, but I keep waiting. By the time we moved out of three, three uh, cushions, I knew we were in trouble when we got to uh, Obama Kush <laughs> and uh, some football player back east, Manning, Peyton Manning or something, Kush. That's it, you know. Uh, after that, and with the first time I saw cookies at IC Mag, I thought it was a joke article from The Onion. Who in the fuck would grow a plant with buds that size? That was my, <laughs> my you know, so. Anyway, hey, everything's really special if you're selling, not you, but I'm saying if a person is selling something, every aspect of that plant is special. The size of the buds, the color of the sugar beets, you know, whatever it is, they'll drive it home. Well, you know, a big researcher in, you know, New England found a higher level of, you know, some magical compound that's supposed to enlighten you to see, uh, uh, you know, the next incarnation of Shiva is just, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I, I would say that the majority of the compounds in the cannabis that's grown properly is not even, you know, tipping the scale enough to show up in laboratory testing. We don't really know what is happening 
with all the complex uh, compounds that are made. And plants are really crazy intelligent and what they can do and how they can put compounds together. It's pretty, pretty crazy when you start looking into what they actually do, what photosynthesis actually is. Like, it's pretty wild stuff. There's a really good book by, uh, I think his last name is Morton. It's called Eating the Sun, How Plants uh, Control the Planet. Anyway, the whole function of a plant is to is to take a minimum amount of materials and, and make chlorophyll number two, period. And what's chlorophyll? It's carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, all available from the atmosphere. Think about that for a minute. And when it comes to terpenes and terpenoids, a plant or a tree can take existing terpenoids and terpenes and reconstruct them from a fungicide to a pesticide if that's what's needed, or from a pesticide to a fungicide. I mean, plants are in this on a dynamic, on a constant. And a good principle in growing any plant is leave it the fuck alone. <laughs> you know, like, I don't get you. Know, you were, you weren't around in the days when everybody was checking their pH three and four times a day to run on. Oh, they're they still, still doing. It. They're they still, still doing. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come. Hasn't changed that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to tell people all the time. Oh, what pH meter do you use? I'm like, I don't. So I, never sure I never have. I never have. Onion. Yeah, and testing your runoff from a pot of soil is not. I yeah. I use litmus paper to see if my vinegar is acidic enough. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else. It's mind boggling. Yeah. It's yeah, uh move past cold composting. You're the first person that's ever asked. You used a different name, but basically that's uh you're not trying to ramp it up to do something. Uh yeah. I mean I know how to ramp it up, you know. Use out you want you want to ramp it up, use alfalfa as your uh, nitrogen, alfalfa pellets. Yep. It'll be 140 the next afternoon. <laughs> yeah, we mulch with alfalfa. Oh, yeah. Well, they're all good. Comfrey, yep. nettle. I mean. Comfrey's amazing. Yeah. I have plants that have been in the ground now probably 14 years. And they each, with all the cuttings. And I'm in Oregon, so we're not like where you folks are where it's warmer. But I still get a yard out of each one, a yard of uh, material. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, it makes really good. Let it dry down and get, you know, get the water out, and then add it in small amounts each week to the worm bin. And uh, we're back to the cold composting thing. Yeah. But not trying to scorch the shit out of everything that gets in our hands, and. Uh, I just, I just don't have time for the labor that that hot composting takes. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, turn it how often to what? No, yeah. no. Especially I'm good. if you have a long windrow, you know, yeah. say three feet high or even four. Yep. And uh, you're running 80, 80 feet, hundred feet. Shit, man, you better have a compost turner, a bobcat. Yeah, a serious, yeah, bobcat. I was trying to think of it. Yeah, the smaller units. Actually, By the way, yeah, I want to recommend a, a book. A it's a lot of work on a book. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, you already have this book. 
please at least consider getting it. The woman, yeah, yeah. the author is Rhonda Sherman, and she teaches at the University of North Carolina State. And she's been a researcher with worms going back to the 90s uh, at Cornell and with Dr. Clive Edwards. Anyway, the name of her book has something, either vermicomposting in the title or vermiculture. Anyway, it's for medium to large size operations. And I promise you that even if you took away five items that you could fine tune how you're looking at things, you'll benefit from this book. She's a wonderful, wonderful teacher. You can find her all over YouTube. Uh, takes a very academic approach to using worms to uh, create uh, materials that we can add to our soils and uh, maximize the, their genetic potential. She's really a cool person and uh, I like her writing style. I think Wendy's looking it up on yep. Amazon right now. Yep. <laughs> How are those shroot beets, by the way? Are they, uh... <laughs> They're amazing. Nice. They're amazing. Uh, yeah, anyone who, who gives a shout out, I'm like, yay, office fan. Took me forever to get on board with that show. Uh, is it the Worm Farmer's Handbook, Mid to Large yes. Scale Vermicomposting for Farmers yeah. by Ron Sherman? <laughs> Yeah, cool. yeah, right. love yeah. a good book. I buy them and then he reads them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if uh, it, uh, the the book that she just bought recently that uh, been Inside Plants called Inside Plants by Gary Ritchie and it's super fucking good, really, really, really good. Are you familiar with uh, Dr. Chenoweth's uh, What a Plant Knows? Uh, uh, I've had some, yeah, I've I had have. it on the book list, yeah. but it's not on the. Computer. That's one I haven't read yet. I promise you that if you get to page 20, your whole concept of terpenes and terpenoids and, and ketones and how they're manipulated by the plant, produced by the plant, controlled by the plant. Uh, and then the way there's a this website. The yeah. And there's also, he has a, a, a website with uh, videos and you can find him at YouTube as well. He's, I mean, he's the real deal. He's not, you know, he wasn't a bud tender at Weeby Buds, you know, on Highway 101 or something. Actually, I'm embarrassed to say I've been wanting to, to read this one since you first mentioned it, Kud. It, it, it seemed to me that it would actually have quite a bit of... Uh, oh, so cool. Uh, at least I would come away with, uh, I thought, uh, quite a bit of understanding for how a cannabis plant sort of perceives the world. We always say stuff. I've caught myself saying stuff that's not, frankly, very scientific, but I've I've observed it. It's very anecdotal for me. But anyway, I, my, my observation was that uh, female cannabis plants seem to behave differently when there's a male uh, in the, the presence. They seem to be a little bit more greasy and whatever else. Well, if there's any truth to that, that's a supposition I had. I didn't do a control group and stuff. I wouldn't, like, like, I uh, wouldn't argue that. Yeah, you I mean, that you're wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that. But even still, yes. basically, uh, it, that would be one of these concepts that we would probably read, I would imagine, in this book, basically. It would probably tell us about plants that sense each other's sort of uh, pheromones and stuff. I mean, that's that's my operating theory, is that basically the, the, the plants are sensing each other's pheromones. And uh, every, every well, they're organism... Also exchanging, that, they're also exchanging materials beneath in the soil zone. Plants... Change ions 
Cal, whatever, you know, but that's a whole other end of the science. The problem is, I've said this before. You think they say, baby, I got my eye on you? (laughs) The problem in my mind is that there's too much chemistry in this discussion in the general public and not enough botany in biology. Because at the end of the day, that's what drives successful gardens and farms is biology and botany and like the other life sciences. Chemistry plays a role. Obviously, chemistry plays a role in everything, but it's a very, very minor role. And we've finally done it in the Midwest. We've we, we exhausted the soil. It's broken. It's done. Missouri, years and years and years, decades of applying ammonium nitrate, phosphoric acid, year after year after year, it's finally broken. There's land that they can't even, they can't squeeze another crop out of. Look at Florida. The orange industry's gone because of a bacterium, really? Think about that for a minute. And that was an interesting parallel. We were talking about the, uh, we were talking about the uh, water use issues in California and how they're pulling up entire almond groves. Well, almond uh, actually has been a, a controversial crop, to say the least, in California. Yep. It's one of the <laughs> crops down there because it's such a good cash crop, but it's so incredibly water intensive. And sure enough, wouldn't you yep. know it, they're having uh, uh, troubles. The same thing in Florida. Uh, it's not, you know, oranges are not native to Florida. People might assume that they are or something. They're yep. fucking native to dry ass Spain, right? So hot, humid, shitty Florida. It's not shitty, but I mean, like, it's not a, a, a great environment for uh, oranges. And wouldn't you know it, you said uh, that they spread the, sprayed the ever loving fuck out of pesticides on those oranges to keep them alive. You've said that before. Yeah. They're lo- they lost the oranges. They're, they're pretty much dead. Right. It's over. Crazy. You drive around the areas that used to be full of, you know, factory farming. And it wasn't just the orange groves that got pulled up. The places where it was processed, the oranges were processed into orange juice, the packing houses, those are shuttered. With a, with a, a chain through uh, the gate, it's over, done. The trees came up out of the ground. You put some uh, post and barbed wire fence, put a couple of steers on there and get a, a tax cut from the government, from the state. I mean, when it's over, it's over. And the day of reckoning is coming in the Midwest. We've eked out as much soybeans and corn that could possibly be done with the latest technology, but at some point it's about the soil. And if you don't do something about the soil, all the, well, you know, all you need is the uh, magnesium, sulfate of magnesia. Okay, whatever. And that's well, what happens if there's an interruption in the supply of that freaking sulfate of, I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. uh, potentate of some young guy like uh, uh don't they say that russia and, and uh i think russia honestly was one of the biggest suppliers of ammonia for uh fertilizers or something and so yeah. basically in this entire shenanigans we're probably not going to get any of that and so that's gonna well to there's a lot of people there's a lot of people saying that everyone needs to go to organic and then the usda just came out and said that if every if farmers move to organic there'll be huge problems in the supply chain so like all around yeah. All around, like it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna get ugly for sure. Is that true no, none of these farmers know. Think? Well, if you consider the fact that we're growing our food on dead land 
and it's going to take uh, years to reverse all the fucked up shit that we've done. Um, yeah, there probably will be some supply uh, issues, uh, but it's not like we can't reverse it. The issue Trans- is getting them to actually do that. Well, and transitioning from conventional to, to organic is not as easy as right. just throwing manure out instead of spreading your, you know, yeah. blankety blank fertilizer, pesticide, herbicide bomb. <laughs> So yeah. blankety blank for the day. <laughs> <laughs> there it definitely takes time to heal the land. Yeah. Well, I wanted to get this point is that in ancient India and China, where the really high end plants were grown, like the tea for the uh, royal house, a handful of worm castings at the base, a big, and left and right hand, pack it around, that's all those plants were fed. That was for the whole season. Think about that for a minute. Don't mix my soil mix. I would tell, like, if someone wanted to do, like, big raised beds, you know, you got to take your materials and judiciously apply them. Put them around your plants. Don't try to try. Don't try to do the whole bed. The microbes will take care of that. Give it the tools, right? But man, the worm castings—that's your goal. That's your wow. That's what makes your garden pop. I mean, that's what I have my objection to a lot of accepted methods is that it's more about the process than the end result is my my uh, does that make sense jumping through hoops and using this bottle of swill is going to save me and i i'm not i don't I, I don't believe that i believe that you start with good biology and the rest Listen of the best, uh, yeah. uh, ryan Kurkowski says roundup ready bt cookies coming to a field near you uh, BT. Uh, BT, actually, I don't know. Uh, BT. Bacillus thuringiensis. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh. it's, a, it's a bacteria, basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I just wanted to also cushion on the name Kushananda. I gave him that name one night. At I see Meg. I made a joke. I said, hey, you know what? You can become like a, a guru. We'll call you Swami. Kush was the big thing then, you know, the Kush thing. And so I said, well, yeah, we'll call you Swami Kushananda or something, guru like that. And the next <laughs> thing I know, the guy's got a, a seed company and he's Swami Kushananda. And I just said, oh my God, this is nuts. And uh, you did that. That was your fault. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah. At one time, I had a picture of one of my plants over at uh, Instagram before I I'd had enough of uh, Zuckerberg. Um, and this uh, poster said, you know, I bought a seed from fill in the blank. You know, there's like 15 people out there. So, so they, they uh, I don't know what they did. There. But anyway. She says, my plant doesn't, or he said whatever. My plant, there I am, that's me, my uh, Mrs. Coos. We're out there. Uh, I, I want to see what bees were about. How cool is that? I love the action shot of the bees. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and that day was like 90 degrees, and those are canvas. Mm. I couldn't, man. 
I couldn't get out of that jacket fast enough. I bet. And I said to him, I said, because he's smoking them, you know. He says, this calms him down. These bees are attacking my uh, <laughs> helmet thing, you know. I said, hey, they don't look too goddamn uh, complacent. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm tired. Everyone have a good night. Smash to be leading the way, my friend. Uh, I was just looking for some more pictures of uh Coots Garden he sent here. Uh but um man, we've had a great discussion on this. I hate to kind of cut it short, but I have freaking uh, work to do, honestly, in the garden. Yeah, uh, so do we. We were just in the same boat. We're like, we gotta go pour gummies. Yeah, we right gotta on. go. There we go. Perfect timing. Yeah. We all as we said earlier, as I said earlier, I think great minds think alike. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, start saying our goodbyes. Uh, James Boyer and Wendy, it's been a uh, oh, bag of dicks. Yeah, I go pour some more. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to end the show, but everyone have a good night. I'm going to get out of here. Cheers, yeah, cheers, cheers, oh, no worries. Uh, uh, he's just, uh, uh, no worries. No need to apologize. Just uh, it's an appropriate time. Here, let me show you guys' website again and feel free to uh, tell us a little bit. Maybe we've forgotten to talk about something that's very important or I don't know, any final thoughts or anything. The floor is yours, guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, website's oh. organiccultivators.net. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say the one thing we didn't mention Sorry, was, uh, yeah, I was, was the up. price. Yeah, yeah. At one point, we were talking yeah, about totally. expense of these That's events. what I was going to bring up. <laughs> um, so the first conference that we did in Massachusetts was uh, 350 bucks a ticket. Um, in Oklahoma, for three days. For three days. It's, you know, three-day conference with tons of great speakers. Totally worth it. Um, but uh, the conference in Oklahoma is sliding scale. So you can see there that the top one's 500. If you can... If you can pay more than the 350, which was the full price ticket in Massachusetts, um, you're helping someone who can't pay a full price mm -hmm. ticket go. Because it costs us money to get speakers out there and pay for hotels, and now fucking gas prices are going through the roof. So um, it's speakers, costing us more. But good speakers aren't cheap. They're right. You know, and, um, but, their, but their information, their expertise is worth it. It'll save you hundreds of thousands in mistakes. Right. Um, but you can see, you know, if you can't afford it, there's a $100 ticket that gets you all three days. Um, you know, we will be selling tickets at the door. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be three days of packed learning, uh, come ready to learn, uh, cause we roll through, this is not Josh's regen conference. We're not late speakers are on time and, uh, we keep it, we keep it moving. So, um, the plan is to keep doing this, um, every year. Like I said, we're doing the second one, uh, next year in Sturbridge again. And uh, we're also planning on using any of the proceeds from this to um, fund the uh, nonprofit in the start of that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, right? Oh, and we're doing a KNF class on our farm at the end of June. Um, if you go to sunofus.com, there's information on there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. Cheers. Great interview, gentlemen. Or ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thanks very much. Uh, let's see here. I could actually show sonobus.com. Uh, just a moment here. Sonobus. I'm a nobody. I don't have a... I, <laughs> nah, that's bullshit. Let's see. I don't Everybody have a... That's cool. Here we go. There it is. Five days of learning in Humboldt Cal County, California with Wendy Kornberg and Kobe Goye. Or Guy? Goye. It's just Guy. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's a he's a farmer in Sacramento. He does mostly vegetables. He's a badass like, pepper farmer. Yeah, he's nice. a phenomenal farmer. It's the right yeah. place you can do it. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Kobe's uh, he's a super great guy, and uh, yeah, his hot sauce is uh, people fight over it. I actually met him at Chris's class in 2018. I think it was when we both took uh, Chris's second stateside KNF class, and uh, he's just one of my favorite people. I like Look at that. It's like a little jewel. It's like a little jewel. <laughs> what was that, Clark? No, I say I really like your logo. Ah, that's Yay. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, James awesome. redesigned it. We had it, it, it was basically the same, but way more bland previously. Good picks. There's your lacewing. Yeah, lacewing larvae. If you see that on that green, the green oh. plant. Sticking off the edge of the leaf, there's oh, a green oh, lace yeah, larvae egg. Yeah. Yep, right there. Oh, I can't make it any bigger. That's I bad. like the color of the green on that. It's beautiful. Yep, absolutely. See? What's well, yours? You don't have to attack your plants with garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, you don't have to have a new program. I love it. Yeah, new, <laughs> right. I don't have one. Nope. I have newts. They live underneath the pots that my flowers are in in the mm. front yard. No wrong kind of newt. <laughs> <laughs> right. The lizards. Yeah, so little salamanders. Right. Little yeah. newts. They're super cute. Do you Jeremy think newt poop uh, increases terpenes? Maybe that was your winning secret right there. Definitely. That's it. Definitely. Newt that's poop. what it is. That's the newt poop. Newt poop. Totally. I mean, that's our, they sell that's fish poop, so you should sell We use a healthy amount of rabbit poop, too. Yeah. You know, mm. like... Well, as much as, you know, two rats produce, yeah. it's not that much. You know, whatever random bug poop. I mean, we're poop connoisseurs. That's what it nice. is, really. Nice. Go <laughs> out and scavenge. <laughs> Jeremy puts up a video of him mixing this huge amount of coots mix, right? And uh, I didn't watch it. because I mean, I, I kind of, I read the book kind of thing. But I checked back about a week later, man. It's like 50,000 people. I thought, you got to be shitting me. You don't have anything better in your life to do than to watch somebody move around a mound of a potting soil in a, a, in a greenhouse, really. You, uh, you do know that people are watching people. Like unbox stuff. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like yeah. Yeah, or, unbox or, therapy has how many or, million subscribers? Yeah. Oh yeah. Worse than that are the videos where they're like, you know, pretending to show you some hack, like a kitchen Ooh. hack or something oh, like that. Just, and then it's just like bullshit. I mean, that we, that video we, was pretty. We funny, watched but a like, twenty minute video of like the base. best the best cooking hacks ever, and like, but there's no description. Ninety eight percent of them were the worst fucking things I've ever seen in my life. So hard. They like. They're making a burger patty, but in order to make it perfectly, you put saran wrap inside of like the lid of like a jar and so you can smush it in there and like, voila, it's a perfectly round burger patty. And then, and then, put an ice cube and then you put it on the grill and you put an ice cube in the middle. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why are they putting an art? They don't describe anything. I had to actually look it up to find out that apparently if no, apparently burger, I don't know. It didn't make it. The whole thing was like, it was amazing in how bad it was. Mm. And then yeah. you read the comments and people are like, 
this is amazing. These hats are so great. I was like, the <gasps> best one was the Torture. watermelon that was made to oh, look like a ham. ham and it had barbecue sauce on ham it. And melon. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, dude, it was fucking <laughs> nice. It was bad. Although, have you ever had yeah. grilled watermelon? That those two words sound like I just made them up and I'm basically made of like mental disease. No, seriously, grilled watermelon. It has a, a texture oddly similar to steak, but it's no, basically a sweet watermelon it. steak. It's this so, is, try it. It's I, bizarre. This is like, this is like jackfruit being a substitute for meat. It's not. Jackfruit does not taste. No, I'm not saying it's a substitute for meat. Although people do make watermelon burgers. Literally, they grill the watermelon and have it as a burger. I'm not even joking. It is weirdly good. He doesn't like watermelon. I'm not a big fan of watermelon. Then you wouldn't be a big fan. That sounds horrendous. But the worst hack actually was was the spoon. They sanded the back of a spoon so you could grate a carrot with it. Instead of buying like, like a dollar grater, you a vegetable grater. Waste Who your time sanding a spoon. Honestly, you know, there's a hole in it. For uh, cleaning ginger, a spoon's yeah. the best thing you can use. But not a grated, I mean, not Oh, a, yeah, you not, just use like, the edge of the spoon. Yeah. You don't waste your time right, right. sanding a hole in the back of it. Like, right. It's all right. jagged and shit. Look at all the grilled watermelon. That's crazy. I didn't nice. make it up. It's a real thing. Oh, I didn't think you were making it up, but that literally I looks just, like I real just, human. Meat on the show, the three hundred or whatever. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly it. So this is a substitute for cannibals. Good to know for the future. Well, yeah, well there you go. That's how them you off. eat them off. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's like that's fake it. cigarettes for a smoker. Dahmer, party of two now. <laughs> 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 yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not buying meat substitute. I don't think there's a substitute for meat. Substitute for meat is more meat. Different meat. Yeah. Sorry, I like meat. I'm, a, I'm an omnivore. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if you were to read, and I know you would, the ingredients on both the big brands, Beyond Burger and I don't know, whatever. Oh, I oh, yeah. they're not. Oh, it's mostly oil. They're not really that good they're, for you either. No, they're it's not. Oils. They're yeah. horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's just, can, you know, canola oil and soybean oil yep. and you know, yeah. whatever. Super gross. And, yeah, so guys, just kind of like some vegetables. You can eat, you can just eat some cows. You know they eat vegetables all day. Like you know, grass uh, fed, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Depending on where you source your meat from, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I, if you can, I mean, you know, if you can and you perfect, can stomach it, you should probably you know have a connection and kill your meat. Yes, you know, not everybody can do that, but we have to. We gotta butcher some chickens. Don't soon. buy. Don't buy into the uh, tofu myth. Oh, gross! I, know. I won't eat tofu on principle. It looks gross. The texture looks gross. Fuck that! It doesn't have any color. I'm not a fan. Yeah. No. Fuck I often wonder if tofu <laughs> was a practical joke. It's like dispensary weed. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, dispensary weed is tofu. 100%. You know what like, cracks me up is how emotional people get about the the name of their whatever they're growing, and that person doesn't have any idea whether the person he got it from was telling the truth or yeah. that a person that that you know by the time. Never mind. Newsflash: Most of them are Doesn't telling the truth. They're telling you some story to, you know, make it the most hype they can. <laughs> no. oh, of course, yeah. 
And you're the, you're an asshole because you don't grow it. This looks like you know. Well, that looks like a crouton, but this looks like you know, <laughs> dirty cream cheese. You know, it blocks of cream cheese that someone dumped in fucking mud water. <laughs> That's exactly. Does not look appetizing. Dude. Dry potatoes, cheese blocks, really gross. <laughs> These yes. were dropped at the Sriracha factory. <laughs> yes. Yeah. These are moldy cheese cubes. Yep. Now, inexplicably covered this. in snakes. You, you go into a really, really good Chinese restaurant. Wait. There's different kinds of tofu? There's apparently different oh, yeah. kinds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like there's different kinds of sadists, there's different, different kinds okay. of Okay. <laughs> so, Japanese, I mean, excuse me, Chinese uh, tofu is where the Buddhist monks invented it. They use gypsum, uh, calcium sulfate, to coagulate it, to make it firm. When the Buddhists moved to Japan, they didn't have calcium mountains. Um, so they used something that uh, the Buddhists called nigari, N-I-G-A-R-I, uh, calcium something. It's a compound. It's not, uh, I think they get it from the ocean. I could be wrong, but then you, get to, you go to the other countries in Asia and they use different coagulants. So, yeah, uh, like Chinese tofu is really, really firm, whereas Japanese is that's what they use to make that horrible stuff called cheesecake or creamy salad dressings. Mm. Is calcium sulfate? No, calcium chloride. Nagari is a primarily, it's a byproduct of salt making, primarily made of magnesium chloride, magnesium sulfate, and potassium chloride. Okay, I, I apologize. All right. Yeah, I knew it was. Okay, so it's but a yeah. byproduct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you get into Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Thailand, and I forget what they use, but it's different. Like, we have Asian markets here in Portland, and they have like four or five different styles of tofu. And they're labeled, That's wild. You know, whether it's uh, Chinese, Japanese, whatever. I, I like uh, James here. When people talk about tofu and all, well, no, you just never had it right. I've had it right. It's really good. <laughs> Somebody's been doing it for 50 years, right? You know, there's just some shit in this world that, you know, I don't want to eat that. I don't want to yeah. put that in my mouth. Right. Tofu's one of them. Spam is another. I, oh no! Thank no, you. No. Let's not argue about spam. Spam is delightful. Oh, here we go. Grilled spam, uh, uh, sashimi. Oh come on. Okay, great. That's you and my father would get along great. You know he doesn't smoke weed, but he'll fucking get down with his spam with you. Excuse me, in Hawaii. Yep. Sure, they're up. Yeah, spam in Hawaii is a, is a big deal. Huge. No. Yep. It was raining. Started in World War II. Hmm. Everyone's favorite right. meat, canned meat. All right. He's he's right. We probably have to cut it because we're going to just be, talk forever. Uh, well, he's, it's been raining. And he's I, notorious for leaving the windows down in the cars. I'm like, mm -hmm. uh, did the Nissan get the windows rolled up? He's like, yeah. No, maybe. Maybe. I don't I'm know. Like, Shit. You know, it's I totally smoke nice copious amounts of weed and, uh, you know. We have five kids and a farm down. and a million things going on. It's hard Dude, to keep it all. You were leaving windows down before you got here. Just support me and say, you know, life is too hard. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I got you. 
Is that too uh-huh. much? Too much? Let's okay. Do it. All right. All right. That was you. too much. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thanks for having well, us. Right was, uh, uh, much appreciated. Thank you very much for coming. It was a delightful uh, conversation. I hope folks uh, go check out your uh, uh, show. What is it on July? Let's see here. When's the dates? They are end of July. 29th, right? 30th, and 31st. That's the one in Oklahoma City. Right on. Well, cheers, guys. Cheers, uh, uh, organic cultivators. Uh, Coot, always a pleasure. Dell, are you still awake? Dell has succumbed to the joints. Christophe, bonjour, mon ami. Nous quittons. What else? Good evening, uh, my Good evening, buddy. Thank you for the show. Smoke, je lui de lui de, my friend. Oui, oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, je rigole. Je plaisante avec toi. Oui, oui. À bientôt, Christophe. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that okay, is the uh, infomercial portion of the show. Thank you very much for uh, hanging out, folks. If you guys would like to uh, support the show, uh, easiest way to do so, frankly, is to go take a look at my uh, uh, little uh, seed co right here. Take a look at the shopping page, my friends. Take a look at the uh, smash and grab. That's the uh, easiest way to dip your toes into the water, so to speak. Uh, three five-packs for a special price. Uh, just request whatever you'd like. Basically, in the notes, you can ask me to pick. You can tell me what you'd like. You can say uh, three packs of the same thing, uh, whatever your heart desires. The uh, baller pack, ladies and gentlemen, is the same thing, but with three ten-packs, of course. And, of course, if you guys would like to take a look at uh, perhaps you're new to, to the show, if you're here to listen to, to these uh, wonderful guests and you're like, oh, a uh, humidor, I, I have no idea who this guy is. Well, if you'd like to take a look at two strains that I would really, uh, really recommend uh, that you take a look at, Lime River Rose is one of them. That's uh, Kaffir Lime by uh, Ruby Jack F2. Uh, the Ruby Jack, actually, I just uh, had a smoke of uh, just a little bit ago. As uh, our guests were talking about, we had these, or they've had uh, really well-aged cannabis that, uh, I said, it's not every strain, not every cultivar will age well, but some will age over years. And I had this Ruby Jack jar, don't have very much of it left, but it's just been aging for honestly a few years now, and it's still, frankly, delightful. But then again, I honestly really love Ruby Jack. The Ruby Jack F2, that was the uh, parental lineage basically to this, was uh, more grapefruity though than rose. Uh, but still, uh, uh, even so, a lot of folks have pulled out a rose-leaning phenotypes of the Lime River Rose. A lot of folks have pulled out a sweet candy lime. Uh, you name it, ladies and gentlemen. But there have been delightful phenotypes of the lime. Uh, I'm kind of rushed now because I'm like, oh man, I got so much work to do in the garden. Uh, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, take a look at Morgana as well. Uh, another, uh, I don't know, folks have been calling it maybe my signature strain. You know, until in the future, you know, how do I say this? I'm quite a new breeder, so I hope that there will actually be a, a true signature strain someday. But anyway, in the meantime, I'll take it. That's uh, 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 good advertising. Uh, but Morgana is something that I'm also very fond of, ladies and gentlemen. Cuvée F2 by the Ruby Jack F2 that I was just talking about. Uh, lots of, uh, frankly, fruity terps, honestly, we were talking about, you know, gassy versus stinky versus whatever else. You're going to find a lot of wine. You're going to find some, uh, maybe about 30% of the time, you're going to find something I really love, the sour cherry phenotype of this one beautiful beautiful uh, flavor on that one that's uh the 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 
jumping off point, so to speak, of the future Sour Morgana that you guys are going to hear from in the future. But anyway, uh, there's some uh, very small percentage of the time, but there's about 5 to 10% of the time you'll find this really spiced wine. Uh, this one right here, this spiced wine with gardenia. This just really noticeable, not rose, but a different flower. Kind of an unusual, just really elegant as fuck, honestly. But anyway, lots of colors, lots of flavors, ladies and gentlemen, and Morgana. And finally, I'll wrap it up with uh, an in-cross, honestly, of the Ruby Jack that I've been talking about. This is a strawberry leaning in cross. You guys are going to hear quite a bit more from this one in the future. I'm really, really pleased with this. Uh, and I'm really pleased with the way that I'm taking the line. So I hope you guys will be pleased in the near future as well. Uh, I, I guess I'll uh, let you know when it's ready. Uh, hopefully you guys will be super pleased. But uh, uh, in the meantime, take a look at Black Prince Ruby. Ruby Jack by Ruby Jack F2. I pulled out the most strawberry candy leading uh, uh, Ruby Jack and then crossed it to the same father as everybody else. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, use the coupon code BRAINS for 14% off. My website is lagging again. That's so annoying when that happens. But anyway, uh, every uh, order gets a freebie of Cielago the Bat. That was the uh, Bedrock Boogie Sour Strawberry Leaner by the same Ruby Jack F2. Lots of really nice strawberry terps in that one. Uh, uh, sour raspberry. Really, really nice terps. Anyway, folks, once again, coupon code BRAINS, B-R-A-I-N-Z, for 14% off. And uh, Thank you very much for checking it out. Thank you very much, uh, Wendy and James. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, organiccultivators.net. Thank you very much for uh, hopping by. Really appreciate it. And, Thanks uh, for having us. Else? Yeah, man. Cheers. Uh, let's see here. Who's in the chat here? Ryan, get up, gal. Uh, uh, Andy, uh, Cam, Organic Soul Gardens, Atomic Spoon. Uh, who else here? Robert. Cheers, my friends. Thanks very much for hanging. Uh, I really appreciate you guys hanging out this late. And uh, gosh, what honestly, what wonderful guests we had, right? Like they stayed the entire show. How incredible is that? My friends, uh, be kind, be decent, be gentle. Do not be fucking dicks. Do not, uh, just don't be meaty pants. You know what I mean? Don't be jerks. Dirks. That's not a word. Don't be jerks. Don't be poo-poo heads. Don't be, uh, I don't know. Your word of choice, my friends. But most importantly, don't be dicks. Adios, my friends. Thanks for hanging. Uh, we'll be here on uh, Tuesday, where, uh, ironically, we actually won't be doing much of anything. But on Wednesday, we're going to actually have a great guest again. We're going to have the repeat appearance of uh, Five, Sister, uh, Five Sisters Farms. Uh, I think she's uh, going as at the moment. Uh, she's going to be talking about cannabis tourism in California. It'll be a great discussion. She was a really good guest the last time she came, so it's going to be fun on Wednesday, friends. Then, uh, it's going to be an hour earlier than today's show was. Today should start at 8. We'll watch the entire show perhaps on Tuesdays at 8 as we start at 7. Thanks, my friends.
Slipping slides, slide on my throat 